Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Coming to you from the Emma is So Annoying Recycle Garage. What? In sunny Santa Cruz, California. Emma, please stop is my safe word, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to who is here. And hey, this is the second week in a row. That we're recording all together in the garage. I'm already Mm -hmm. tired of it. (laughs) Dude, and I don't know if you saw the signs on the garage. Uh, Masks are optional for vaccinated peoples. Mm. And pants are continue to be optional, right? (laughs) Yeah, I wish. Pants are optional for everyone. We live in an amazing world where pants are optional. Yeah, and your favorite person, uh, Z Traveler, was here today. Oh, fabulous. How's she doing? She's doing good. She had her pants on. Oh, okay. Where's she traveling? How's her leg, by the way? It's healed up. Okay. Yeah. She's not limping or nothing on that? She's able to... No, she's still kick-starting that DR350. She still has that DR350? 40,000 miles or 70,000 miles on it. Right. Right. Just for her. Crazy number. Good for her, man. And it sounds great. Well, she changes the oil religiously. Well, tra-la-la. And that is why... you gotta do, baby. Hey, everyone. (laughs) This is Liza, and I am feeling... Glorious. Yeah. Don't know why. I just don't. I think it, again, I'm still just riding this high of like we're in the we're in the recording studio yeah, together. It's been a long it's time. Because she has a four K camera and set- You keep looking at that camera. I told you it's not plugged into anything. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, take your pants off, we'll find out. Liza has an OnlyFans, that's why she got that camera and this <laughs> studio lighting setup. With me here in the studio tonight, it's Knock. What's up, everybody? How are you guys doing? I think all the ding-dongs are doing good. Oh, good. Stuff is going on out there in the world. Things yeah. are happening. Let's see. Uh, over in Jim's seat tonight. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Somebody went for the cushy chair. So <laughs> I, I should take my pants off, right? This is Jim's seat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's Stumpy John. You're, you're overdressed for the job. <laughs> What's up, everybody? And I just want to say, for the record, that Bob Dylan wrote a triumph. <laughs> that's right. Just want to say that. Yeah, that's going to come full circle. Did he actually write it? Write it? He was did. He, he crashed it? it. Oh, there it is. Wrote it. Did he ever write a 67. song about it? I don't know. I don't yeah. think so. Mm. All right. Uh, joining us on the classy girl couch, it's Miss Emma. Aloha, darlings. And I would like to add that Arlo Guthrie wrote a triumph. No. Mm. Did he write it to Alice's restaurant? Frequently. Wait, did he get confused for being Bob Dylan? Occasionally. Occasionally with us his songs. (laughs) And joining us for the first time tonight, we have a guest in studio. First guest in 14 months. We got Ryan. Yeah, It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, for the record, I'm wearing three pairs of pants and I'm fully vaccinated. (laughs) 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 Um, So lots going on. Things are happening. Um, the first news is John and I went for a ride yesterday. Yeah. It was the coldest winter ride I've ever had. Yeah, it was to Alaska, wasn't it? Is that where we went? <laughs> God. And it was like the Bering Sea. <laughs> I could uh, hear the hate mail just getting typed up right now. The coldest. <laughs> and we're like talking about California, Santa Cruz area. Dude, I'm telling you. Uh-huh. It was so, cool. was it below 50 degrees? Yes. yes. Oh, uh, God. Yes, I know. Oh, God help you. I know. It felt like 43 it, huh? on my motorcycle. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um,. <laughs> We were going up to go test ride the Pan Americas. Oh, shit. This is the one in... Uh, the, this oh, is what's okay. traveling around. This was it. Fresh. We had our slots to go ride the Pan Americas, Killer. which was up at 
at famous Alice's restaurant for mm-hmm. anyone who's been here. Ryan, have you been to Alice's? Nope, it's on my to-do list. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, you're not from around here, dude? Uh, I'm originally from, well, I live in Folsom, so oh, um, okay. I'm on the Sierra side of Sacramento. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Is that another way of saying you were recently incarcerated? No, actually, I live at... I live across the street from the prison, and I always. <laughs> <laughs> whenever there's a murder, I always uh, tell my wife that you know one of our neighbors killed another neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Sierras are awesome, by the way. Did you just open up Ebbets? Is that what it is? Or I, I think so. So okay. I left Thursday from Folsom, and I did 49 down the the Sierras That's a great south, ride. and then crossed over to go visit Emma in uh, Marina. Hell yeah! And then boogied all the way down one to San Diego. Spent the weekend in San Diego, and I rode here from San Diego this morning. I started my freezing cold ride in San Diego at 60 degrees in two hours of rain through L.A. So that's Hell how yeah. I started. So uh, it's not just us. Road no. dog. We got a road dog here, man. No, Ryan is every inch the road dog. Yeah. <laughs> every inch. No, I feel you. So <clears throat> we headed off up to Alice's, which normally when you go up into the mountains away from the ocean, mm-hmm. it gets warmer. In so theory, yeah. I was just wearing like a T-shirt uh, underneath <laughs> my my jacket, right? And we head up, and as soon as we get up uh, into the mountains, it's getting foggier. But then it's getting foggier and foggier. So much so that there's so much moisture, it's completely, like, you can't see through your your face face shield. You rode into a cloud, basically. Big old giant Stinging rain and everything. And Mm. so, and then it got cold. I mean, it got cold, and I didn't have rain gear on. It was getting through my jacket to my poor T-shirt. And I'm like, good thing I got that heated seat, man. I laughed when I got it. Like, I'll never use this. Oh, <laughs> oh man. It's the I greatest was, thing in the world. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then it got windy. And then every now and then these drops would just hit you on the face because you had your face shield open. It hurt. They were yeah, like, was, yeah. They were stinging. And it was that double issue of face shield fogged, glasses fogged, can't yeah. see nothing, mm, ride yep. by rail. And you know how people are up on uh, Skyline. There were still cars like zooming around. And oh yeah, stuff. how busy was it? Were there people riding up there? I mean, because <laughs> oh yeah, well it was busy because they were having Harley was having the big event. Ah uh, yes, of course. Which we're not going to get into a lot of detail on the Pan America because we have another opportunity next next week. But the good news is, John, you sat on it. I did. Were both of your feet on the ground? They were. Which is pretty Ta-da! amazing. I'm your, uh, well, that's rad. your stunt short person. <laughs> no, it was super cool. You know, I mean, well, we won't get into it right now. We're, but not, yes, we're not getting my, into it. My foot, touch, foot, feet touch the ground. If you're short, <laughs> you might want to look at that. No, we went up there to ride them, but um, the test rides were delayed for hours. We hung know. out for hours just yeah. hanging out with uh, shout out to Nick and Mike right. uh, from Harley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were great. <clears throat> And saw Jay and some other people up there. We just had fun hanging out at Alice's. Yep. But after a few hours, we were like, yeah, let's get out of here. Mm. And when did you know, as soon as you start heading down the other side of the hill, it was warm. Summertime yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Summer, get over to San Jose and it's yeah. hot and sunny. <laughs> Welcome to California. Welcome to California. So, yeah, that was a miserable <laughs> ride. Yeah, you're right. Nobody has sympathy for us. No. But <laughs> it just shows. And, I mean, Ryan, you have heated grips. This is why we use heated grips year-round. I looked at my winter gloves as I was packing for my trip on uh, Wednesday night, and I'm like, I don't need my winter gloves. I'm going to put them in, and I wore them the entire trip. Um, But I did make the mistake of wearing my Venom Sport base layer today. Oh, Uh, nice and cool and wicking. Yeah, cooling and wicking and uh, the 50 degrees and rain. That was pretty awesome. (laughs) They work really good, even when you don't want them to. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. So, also, uh, this weekend has been the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. 
Yeah, man. How Have did you I go? checked it out? Have I? Did you? No, because I'm a Knock. loser. I'm a big loser. Knock. I'm a big dopey loser. <laughs> Dude. There's Knock. some good there's some good films, man. Could you could you feel possibly more sorry for yourself, Knock? Maybe. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> Jeez, Knock. Well, I do have somebody who may be able to give us some insight. We actually had um, a great email. So let me share this because this is awesome. Um, This is from uh, Mike. (laughs) Mike (coughs) says, I need friends to give a shit about motorcycles. (laughs) Oh, man. I just wanted to send a shout out to the Santa Cruz Film Festival. My birthday plan of a ride around Blue Ridge Parkway was ruined by the gas shortage from the pipeline hack in the southeastern U.S. Hmm. So I signed up for the Santa Cruz Film Festival on YouTube to pacify myself, and I found myself explaining to my wife why I was crying several times a day. (laughs) Ten minutes into watching Fast Eddie... And I'm spending 30 minutes in the shower contemplating my own mortality and my mm. relationship with my past father. That mm. wasn't even my choice for the viewers choice award. Holy shit. Reappear. That that movie is pretty cool, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I'm not even trying to really say something. I just want people to understand how deep these films can cut. Great work. Please, uh, for the love of God, keep bringing this kind of film to the world. Love, still slightly drunk, Mike. It's my birthday, goddammit. So uh, with us, I wanted to bring on uh, Michael from South Carolina, who wrote that amazing email, and to hear a review of some of the films from the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. So Michael, it sounds like you've enjoyed them. I did. I did. Um, There was a lot more depth than I expected. Well... Um, before you get into what you're going to get into, Michael, at the moment, for all our listeners, and it's just it's just you and us, darling. There's no need to bring anybody right. else into it. You're just a voice on the line. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You obviously love motorcycling. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'd always had a, a distant interest in it, something I always, you know, one day I want to do that. Right. Uh, and one day finally came up in... 2018 signed up for an msf course uh and then immediately bought the the bike that i had seen on the side of the road that made me stop and pull over like two years earlier oh what is that that beautiful thing what is that bike Uh, well i have terrible terrible taste come on it was a CX500C. Mm. You know what? Let me tell you something about CX500Cs. They're great bikes. Yeah, I've had one. Yeah. You know, you're allowed to like CX500Cs. Are you still having a love affair with it? Uh, I am. I I got a Z400 to commute on. Okay. Just to have something modern, a little safer, a little more reliable. Right, right, right. And that's now become my project because it was leaking oil out of every orifice. (laughs) (laughs) Very un-Honda-like. Yeah, the the fan was rattling loose and it started rubbing on the radiator. I've got her disassembled and I'm I'm slowly starting to just... And pick out more and more parts. Where and it, what's mm, the long-term plan, Michael? Are you going to go stock, or are you going to go more of a cafe build? I'm not going to do a cafe build, um, but I am going to 
going to redo a few things. I'm not sure what to call what I want to do to it. Good. Those um, are the best. Those are the best kind of bikes. I I have a history of building bikes that defy all description or logic, and I love every single one of them. So Emma, what's happening here? Oh no, we're, I'm chatting with Michael, darling. Yeah, we're trying to get a review of the movies. Oh, sorry, 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 Michael. Scrub <laughs> everything right. I said, and um, let's get. I just wanted to give the listeners an idea of who it is reviewing them. Well, first of all, happy birthday, Michael. Yes, happy, happy birthday. birthday. So sorry that uh, your plans were diverted, but um, it sounds like you had uh, plenty of time watching movies. I'm curious to know what were some of your favorites. Okay. Um, well, right off the start, uh, I just played Fast Eddie, which was the first one lined up. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a great interview. And then going into this, I think he was he's 93 years mm-hmm. old. Pretty amazing. Still 93 riding, still rides every rides day. Rides a triumph, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just <Yeah>. saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it, yeah. it has me sitting there thinking like, oh, you know, how's the next 50 years of my life going to work out right off the cuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably um, well if you involve them. With, if you involve motorcycles, they'll go well, Michael. They'll go well. Hopefully. <laughs> and uh, uh, what else did you like? Um, the one I actually voted for for mm-hmm. the viewer's choice was Reappear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was just an absolute gut punch for me. Mm. Uh, my father had passed three years ago now. Um, and he actually passed from mesothelioma. Mm. Um, and hopefully it's it's not given too much away on that to, yeah. to say that the, the main character's father died from complications related to smoking. Um, mm-hmm. But that one just hit real close to home mm-hmm. and um how did you like the diversity of the films i really tried to have really diverse selection a little bit of everything you did you you had a great selection you had uh a horror short <laughs> um which i don't want to say too much about but it you know there, there's a nudity short film there's <laughs> nudity in that one Nice. <laughs> I like that one, though. Those crazy fins. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Michael. So this is Ryan. I haven't had a chance to watch any of the movies yet. So yeah. if, you were to, if you were to pick one, like an absolute, you have to watch one, which would it be? Oh, that is painful to say because there's, there's so many different things, and I don't know you. <laughs> um, well, fair ne- enough. Neither do we. That's okay. The, yeah, the best... Uh, uh, it's worth it is probably mm. an amazing one to watch. It's mm-hmm. uh, stop motion animation of a two stroke engine yeah. rebuild. Love that rebuilt. movie. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and that's that's some of the best stop motion animation I've seen since idiotic as it sounds. Pee Wee's Playhouse. Wow! <laughs> Shout out to um, Pee Wee Herman. Stay yeah, in the movie theater. Well, and and good news because. Uh, for anyone who gets the extended viewing pass, which is only $10, you can still get them. The movies are still playing for another two weeks uh, at RevSisters.com to register. I'm going to be doing an interview with a filmmaker who did It's Worth It. Nice. Yeah, uh, next Saturday, the 22nd, mm. live on Zoom, so people can jump in and uh, ask some questions. So you may want to get in on that. 
But um, I wanted to thank you for your email and for checking out some of the films and sharing. Um, I just wanted to like you know let people know that um, they're still available for ten dollars for the extended viewing pass, and that uh, it's so cool that some of them are really hitting home, and it seems like it kind of got got you all emotional on your birthday. Was that because you were drunk? <laughs> Well, yes, but I was emotional first, and then I got drunk. Oh. <laughs> but, um, Michael, would you say it is fair to say that Rev Sisters and the Santa Cruz Film Festival saved your birthday? I will give you credit for saving my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're, you're welcome. If only I was Santa Claus, you could have your own Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and thank you for voting for Viewer's Choice, because for anyone who is watching the films, we're asking everyone to, to vote themselves, and there will be an award for Viewer's Choice. Um, I would say that I think Fast Eddie is my my favorite. Yeah, he picked my two favorites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fast Eddie was amazing. That's that's who I want to be when I grow up. But, and it's it's not a surprise, uh, did, you, uh, did you see who the winners were of the other awards? I did not. Would you like to know? Absolutely. Well, for Best Ultra Short, which is a movie under 10 minutes, it was actually a tie mm. with Fast Eddie and Trailmaster, mm. which is really cool. Trailmaster was great. Yeah. This is about uh, these guy, the guy who goes out and maintains the trails up in Portland oh, for the cool. off-road trails and what it takes going out there with like chainsaws and stuff. And, oh, for the Endurer guys or whatever. Uh, well, no, the, just... the off-road park for, yeah, riding. Oh, they gotcha, go out gotcha, there yeah. at the end of winter and got to get all the trails set. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a pretty, pretty bitching job, man. And then the best short uh, award went to Reappear, mm -hmm. which uh, was really cool. That's out of England. And then the best feature, which was also won the award for most inspirational is somewhere else together mm -hmm. and this one is really cool one. it's about this couple riding um not quite around the world but they did north america and then decided uh, and then south america and mm -hmm. then decided well let's just keep going and we'll do africa and about that point is when things got really hard and it took you on a really good roller coaster mm -hmm. of the life on the road when it gets really hard and how you just have to keep going, even though you're tired, you're broke, you're dealing mm -hmm. with local government and trying to get paperwork and you're dealing with all the things and you just want to give it up, but you can't. Yeah. It's that kind of film. So they did a really good job. So I wanted to thank you for sharing that. And also just to wish you a happy birthday in person. Absolutely. And, um, and I just uh, I yeah. wanted to give one quick shout out yeah. to uh, the charging bullet just because it had yes. come up that I felt like it could have been five hours of a yeah. TV series. And it yeah, that was that was I actually enjoyed that one, too. It's the charging bullet was really cool. Uh, this guy, Finn Varney, he took a Royal Enfield and he took the motor out and put an electric motor in mm. and he goes riding around to different places that are working with um, what's renewable electric energy. Yeah. yeah, renewable energy. Yep. And you just learn so much more about uh, renewable energy and all the different efforts out there. Cool. Yeah. It was really cool. That's but neat. it started with him building this bike. So a lot of it is about yep. that. Yeah, 15 minutes in, he's got the thing built. And I'm like, wait, what are you doing? I'll watch this for another <laughs> hour. 
And then he, just, he keeps going. It's great. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for giving us a review. And um, if you haven't uh, seen all of them, you still have a little bit of time left. I think I think I completed the set except for the awards. And the if, make sure you see uh, um, the sobbing scooterist. I did. <laughs> I had to bagel. sneak that one in. <laughs> it awesome. was fun, and and I should say I, I waved to rascals, so I, I waved to everybody. <laughs> nice. nice, nice. Well, thank you very much, Michael, for calling in. Absolutely. All right. Have a good weekend. You too. All right. Bye. 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 Well, there you go. We what got, a charming gentleman. Yeah, we got a little review of the film festival. But, you know, um, he came up with a very, very valid point in his email. I mean, the content you get in these films is really completely unique. You're not going to get this kind of diversity in content anywhere else. So, I know Knock can't stay too late, and I did have a game set. You want to play a game? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Okay. You know I love coming up with these games. <laughs> I kind of like... Why do I always think I'm the victim, though? You're not the victim. Because <laughs> you are. So, all right. Usually. In this game, I call it WikiLeaks. Here's why. I'm going to read a, um, a wiki description, Wikipedia description of a motorcycle, leaving out crucial information. And it's Emma versus everyone else. Oh, so, Ryan... John and Knock. Mm-hmm. If you think you know the answer, first you got to shout out uh, how many cylinders. Oh. <clears throat> and then you follow up with the bike. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> we're going to try this out. You got it? If you think you know the answer, shout out how many cylinders. If you got the number right, we'll keep going. Okay. This bike is an air-cooled, Mm-hmm. Solo Cafe Racer Motorcycle. One cylinder yes. on the GB500. That is correct. Boom. I was going to say, first marketed in Japan in 85 <coughs> and in two versions. And then wow. in 89, I- a third version in japan and then in 89 and 90 it came to america um well the game's over do you do you know what <laughs> we do you know what we call them in england go blimey go blimey 500 <laughs> All right, score one for Emma. <laughs> you guys, like, are you guys uh, ready? Are you ready? Knock's like, oh, yeah, no. let's go. Come on, come let's on, go. let's do this. This bike is a standard motorcycle, <laughs> and it's manufactured in three generations over three separate production runs. One mm. cylinder, four cylinder Suzuki Bandit. <clears throat> the first two generations were from 1959 oh, to 1983. 1959 to 83. And the second count. was 1985. Two, two cylinders triumph. I got in there first, John <laughs> that Bonneville. Is correct. That is correct. So Emma who won? It. Emma got it. Ah! She just got in before you. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, step up. Knock. <laughs> Come on. I don't know Knock. Knock, I need you, buddy. I brought you in to be the ringer know, for these I guys. I don't know goddamn shit about motorcycles. <laughs> I just know <laughs> they look pretty and sometimes. And make it legal all right, Emma, keep track on your fingers how many points you got, all right? All right. <laughs> this bike is a cruiser 
made since two cylinders. 1985. Two cylinders Yamaha Virago. Known for its powerful 70 degree shaft drive. Two cylinder V Max. Shadow? That was a V Max. Did he say two cylinders? Yeah. Good. Shadow. All right. We got a point there. I was with Emma with a Virago at first, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This motorcycle. Is a line of motorcycles mm. produced continuously since 1957. Single cylinder. You have a guess? Oh, it's is it a super cup? No, it's the bullet. <clears throat> um, let's see the. They let's see. They had models from 52 to 56. One cylinder oil Enfield. And uh, mm. let's see. The first one had, let's see. Okay, let's get this. Too many. Uh, it was discontinued in Europe in 2020 due to the engine failing to meet the stricter Euro 5 emission standards. It, let's see, has connecting rods. Mm-hmm. Of the fork and blade or knife and fork design. Okay. Interesting. Let's see. Uh, Wait. Not the I-beam liquid ones, huh? No. Fork and blade. Uh, What was the first model here? 57. Mm. Two-cylinder Harley-Davidson Sportster? Correct. Wow. Wow. There it is. <laughs> Discontinued in Europe. I did not know that they stopped selling them in Europe. You know, air cooled. Yeah. Air cooled bikes. Yeah. Ryan, much. you can play a game with them. You know. No, I am. I just suck at this. <laughs> no, right, right. I'm here. I just, uh, I'm just not no, good at this. No, Ryan, Ryan's secretly on my side, darling. <laughs> That's not fair. That's okay, it's plenty fair, John. All's fair in love and it's war, darling. That's, that's fine. All right. This bike was manufactured from 96 to 2003. Mm. It, let's see, what can I take out? 96 to 2003. Uh, liquid cooled. Uh, inline four. Um, it has an engine that is used in another common motorcycle. Um, Except they made some changes uh, to the camshaft mm, and so a change to six individual 28 millimeter carburetors. Six, oh, uh, six, six, six oh. Honda Valkyrie. That is gold correct. That was- <laughs> Great. Come on, you guys. We're trying. It's freaking. <sighs> yeah, it's like uh, like it's like we work on our motorcycles. <laughs> it's like trying to play chess against something. a computer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come, come on. on. <laughs> Okay, this it's like we're going against a professional mechanic or something. This bike and the variants uh, are street motorcycles manufactured since 1999, uh, featuring a mid-sized engine and medium performance components. Hmm. Since 99. In 2009, it was replaced with a different model, but then in 2016. They discontinued. Two-cylinder SV650. That is correct. Oh. Yes. There you go. The Gladius. Yeah. I mean, the Gladius was a great bike. It was just 
odd looking. And it actually, it wasn't even that strange. It was a, a not bad looking bike with an odd headlight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Styling. I think that the death of it was they were specifically marketing it uh, to women. They were showing yes. women in the ads. And I think a lot of men. And then the name Gladius did remind me and, of my grandmother's name. Gladys. And, and you yeah. know, some of the marketing was a little strange where they actually Look, suggested riding apparel like knee boots and collops and stuff like that. <laughs> there you know, are, they kind of missed the mark. There were definitely bit. hipsters in the little print ads. Okay. This bike was released in 2005 with updates in 2007 and 2012. Mm. And in 2008, there was an R model that was available until 2011. Four-cylinder CBR Honda. and With an R. (laughs) Production ended in 2013 because in 2014, a newer model with a bigger displacement came out oh it's a so cb 1000 it has a naked body style it's a honda cb 1000 r nope it would have been the cb 1000 f which is uh yeah built around naked. a chromium molybdenum molybdenum oh is this a, a three-cylinders triumph triple trellis frame with oh. powder coated aluminum frame. subframe mm. Two-cylinder. And an engine used in several other models. So this models. is a two-cylinder KTM 990. Mm. R. <laughs> it's a Duke. It's a Super Duke. Super Duke. I'll give it, it to Knock. There yeah. you go. There you go, Knock. All right, who's keeping score? Was, Emma has a lot. We have two. I know we have two. I think she's just like staying quiet on purpose. No, I'm not. Mercy. No, I'm not. No, we have trying to make us feel bad so I, much. I, I, listen, <laughs> if, as long as Lysa sticks with a more modern How many bikes, do you have, Emma? You, oh, I don't know. <laughs> a gazillion, billion, trillion. <laughs> a winning it's no amount. fun if we can't beat you, Emma. A winning amount. No, I'm beatable. Okay, this bike uh, was made from 69 to 75. 69, nice. To 75. <laughs> to 75. Three-cylinder Triumph Trident. No, two-cylinder Water Buffalo. American riders were demanding bikes with more horsepower and higher maximum speeds. Mm. Four-cylinder KZ 900. No, not 69. Two-cylinder Norton Commando. Four-cylinder CB 750. The largest displacement Japanese machine at the time was the 650cc four-stroke W series. But it did not fit the niche that they were aiming for. 69. Um, 75. Three-cylinder Kawasaki 500. Mm. H1, Mach 3, that whatever you want to call yeah. it. There yeah. you go. That was a bizarre motorcycle. Yeah. It was really strange. The early ones were terrible. So I mean, just the, goal, the goal was to produce a motorcycle with 500cc displacement yep. that was able to develop 60 horsepower and have 13-second quarter-mile times, yes. then considered over the achievable limit for a road bike. Right. Over. And interestingly mm-hmm. enough, the very, very early <clears throat> marketing technique of that actual bike, which tied in with the color, because the very first ones were white with blue on them, it was no coincidence that the bullet trains of the same era, incidentally also made by Kawasaki, mm-hmm. were white with blue trim. Interesting. And you'd see the early ads for the H1s with the bullet train in the background. 
Well, that's funny. Yeah. A little cross-department language talk. Oh, Kawasaki made everything. Yeah. They made Japan. All right. So, according to Wiki. Yes. This motorcycle. Yes. Is a carbureted, air-cooled. Yes. um, Motorcycle marketed uh, specifically in the U.S. for the model years 84 to 86. Yes. Hmm. With a standard or neutral upright riding position. Yes. Six-speed transmission. Yes. Hydraulic valve lifters. Ooh, oh, four-cylinder Honda CB700SC Nitor. Yeah, Shaft drive, front bikini, mini yeah, fairing, gear indicator. Yes, yeah, I always wanted one of those bikes. I love them. <clears throat> and they, they were all black, and they were either black with red panels or black mm-hmm. with blue, blue. panels. Yeah. Lovely bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great bike. Okay. Uh, Knock one, that one. I think that was it. <laughs> Generous. I think that was it. Oh, dear. All right. What'd you guys think of that game? That was fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah? Proof to me how much According I to think, Wiki, I don't know if it's true. I think it would be better if uh, Emma wasn't smart. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we just need to know more about <laughs> All right. Well, let's get <laughs> let's get to the next thing on the list. Hold on. Whoa. I got an email that pertains to it. So, Ooh. all right. Is it hateful email? All right. Here's the deal. A couple weeks ago, we created a top 10 list. I stand by every bike. (laughs) Top 10 best bikes of all time. Right. Using the criteria of Of? most popular. Yes. Historically significant. Yes. And technical advancement. Yes. Mm. All right. Um, I felt pretty good about our list. There's a couple we could continue debating, and I think we will. Um. (laughs) But then the Cleveland Moto guys had something to say. They're really milking this fucking thing, huh? Oh, no. And then the <laughs> nope. Nokomoto guys critiqued both of our lists. Oh, this is good. Yeah, it it's... went down. Um, so we're going to, we got a couple just to hash out. Um, we did get an email. Um, this one is from Rob. And he says, Hello, Rob. Respectfully, for off road, remove the husky. Oh. Yeah. And. and and insert the 1975 YZ250 with mono shock. And yes, that is worthy, but our inclusion of the Husky, Rob, <laughs> Husqvarna were the first manufacturer who understood that reduction in weight did not mean reduction in strength. See, our inclusion of the Husqvarna goes back to the 1960s. By the time that Yamaha came around, as advanced as it was, and I agree, it was a very, very advanced bike, that concept of weight reduction had already been done to death. So it's a very, very worthy thing, but I stand by the Husky. The Husky... Before the Husky, dirt bikes were kind of big, clumpy. Mm -hmm. It was like riding around on a tractor. Yeah. And then the Husky came along. They were immediately 150 pounds lighter, but just as strong. It Mm. was that combination of strength, but with weight reduction. And suspension. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all in together. Um, And the Swedish. And everything that comes out of Sweden is just brilliant. All right. Including score bars. Just Which are supremely tasty. Just a reminder of all the bikes too. on the list were the Honda Cub, 
the Honda CB750. Yeah. The BMW GS1200. We don't agree with that. The Harley Davidson Evo. I think I agree with that. <laughs> the Vespa Rally 200. Don't know anything about that. The Honda Goldwing. Mm-hmm. The Suzuki Gixxer 750. Brilliant bike. The Britain V1000. Yes. Any Husqvarna dirt bike from the 60s. Yes. Tra-la-la. And any Honda 70cc. And Ryan, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you in here, darling, because you came up with what I feel no, and I think it is a valid point, and I am inclined to agree with him, and not just because he is sitting next to me on the classic old couch and he's devilishly handsome and very clean cut, but I think there is some crossover between the Honda Seventy and the Cub. Explain yourself, well, man. And yes, but they're. Yes, the Honda, the the Cub is the, excuse me, the number one selling motorcycle basically worldwide, as it's described. But it is a 70cc Honda. And then we're going to turn around and go, okay, and then 70cc Hondas are also the second bike. To me, they're, yes, they're into, they're different bikes but if we're going to say all bikes all 1960s Husqvarna's, Mm -hmm. shouldn't it just be all 70cc Hondas? No. Okay. The Cub, with its uh, distinct styling, okay, isn't an ATC seventy, isn't a Trail seventy, isn't a CG seventy. These are all completely different models. True, but the, you could, you could also go back to all of the Husqvarna's, which were all completely different models. They were different uh, engine sizes, but they yeah. all basically made the same leap at the same time in the motocross world. I, I just I kind of felt like the uh, just holding this holding the Cub and the seventy kind of really take it holds hostage one of your positions right. on your list. Yeah. So that's a fair yeah, assessment, and you can say that. Uh, yeah, so the reason I said the um, all seventies more specifically is in any third world country you go to, there may be a clone yeah. of a seventy a Honda seventy engine. It may not be Honda badged, but it. It's a clone. Well, this is like I was kind of like trying to make the, the point I was going to make right now is is it's that motor is significant though. If that specific motorcycle, the Cub, or uh, your uh, your seventy trail bikes in seventy trail form is doesn't make the cut. The motor certainly does, right? Like that's yeah, that's kind of what I'm separating. Well, the greatest motor is built ever built. I guess. So, yeah. um, in conclusion, Ryan, I am inclined to agree with you wholeheartedly. The minor difference between our positions is. I realize that arguing with Liza, especially in the flesh, is just futile. And you haven't learned that yet. Um, so uh, when, when I get my segment a little bit later, I'll, I'll, I'll mention my wife, who arguing with my wife, Michelle, is also futile. Oh, so, so. you've had good practice then. Well, I'm, I'm going to consider merging them. I don't know that if there's anything else that's missing from the list. Well, that, that, open, to be that on potentially there. opens up a but slot. Yes. When you talk about the number one selling bike of all time, the Honda Cub, and then talk about the number one used engine of all time, the numbers are vast. True. Which is why I think it deserves two spots. We're talking, I mean, millions. But do you We're feel like the, the 70 to the 90 was a big enough technological leap to justify having two two bikes in there? We're not talking about the 90. We're talking about the 70. Okay. Well, but. No. But I will reconsider that. We can come back because, John, you've got a beef. Yeah, I'm salty about this whole situation. This is not, this is not, not been a good couple of weeks. I've been staying up at night and 
And, uh, you know, I expected Miss Emma to be, like, totally, like, on my side. But, and I know I'm a fanboy. I know. So don't don't email nobody boy. about being a fanboy. I know I'm a fanboy. But. You're a fanboy. It is a terrible mistake to, mm-hmm. in, in a travesty of nature and all good things under God's green earth not to have the Bonneville on that list. Blah, blah, blah. And what, blah, blah. <laughs> Emma, Emma, please. And what, I, what I'm saying is, is you look at, okay, talk about technological leaps in its time. Land speed records, uh, flat track records. Dick Mann rode one. Gary Nixon rode one. Elvis had one. Well, you know, he had a, he had a Harley. Bob Dylan had one. You know, it, they were... They were the trend center of their time, and they were they were a leap in performance from side valve to top no, valve. There's just lots of ways. Another they, one. Okay, so let's go into a little bit of history oh. of the actual oh, Bonneville because you nailed it down to the Bonneville. So, if we go back to the late 1950s. A lot of manufacturers were messing about with twin cylinder bikes of 650 cc range, all with overhead valve, all pushing around 45, 50 horsepower on a good day. BSA had one. BSAs were a little more pedestrian, but they did have um, a marvelous device called the Rocket Gold Star, which was just an absolutely staggeringly gorgeous bike. Norton. Um, they were just at the tail end of the Dominator range, and they were getting into what would become the Atlas. Again, twin cylinder, overhead um, overhead valve engine, twin carb, about 45, 50 horsepower, and Triumph had a rather nice engine with a bike called the Speed Twin. And so a um, couple of American record breakers took these things out to Bonneville and put some streamlining on them and got them up to some pretty damn high speeds. Mm. Very well publicized. And the one thing that the Triumph engine had above all else is it did hold hold itself together at very, very high speed quite well. So it was very well suited to long-distance high-speed runs. So Triumph capitalized on this and said, well, we're going to take our speed twin engine, do a little bit of messing about with it, put a higher compression in it, cut the cams a little bit different, which was the very, very famous, the E3134 cam, which I still use in, when I'm building performance Triumph engines. Even now, they were that good. We're going to call it the Bonneville. Mm-hmm. So my argument is the Bonneville is a wonderful bike, but it kind of it suffers the same fate, and it is exactly the same argument I used against the GS1200. The GS1200 was not a significant advancement over the GS1150. The difference was it became famous, largely because of Charlie Borman. It's not a significant... It did have an advancement. It lost 50 pounds in weight. You just said about the Husqvarna's that... But that was massive. For that bike, 50-pound loss... Let's get back to the GS, because I got beef in that one, too. (laughs) So, but I will say, if if we're talking about quote the best, I I understand where you're coming from. But we're also talking about bikes that had 
kind of cultural impact and sort of impacted motorcycling too, right? I mean, but if, if we go popularity, so and and was there anything more popular in the sixties? By popular, that, I'm referring to masses. Oh God, not yeah, just that, the rock stars. I mean, if we let's talk about the masses. Let's talk about flat tracking. The wrecking crew all rode BSAs. Yeah, but what year was that? Early sixties. Same as the wrecking. No, it's the early sixties. The wrecking crew all rode BMW. Uh, rode BSAs. Norton Command Norton's hadn't come out with a commando yet, but the Atlas was every inch as good a motorcycle as the Triumph. Triumph had a weakness, and that was they didn't handle that well. Hence, in England, the Triton was born, which was that glorious right. Triumph engine with a Norton frame. Right. What I'm saying is the Bonneville is an extremely good bike, an iconic bike. It's got probably one of the best names in motorcycling. Is it Wait, but doesn't so... that qualify then for the list? You, you just said that. I mean, that's... It's that, not one of the top selling bikes of all time. I'm not. What about? Yeah, but see, this is the problem. Where and this is the problem where we got in with uh, Cleveland and with Noco. Yeah. We're not talking about the best in uh, their moment. We're talking yeah. about the impact in the, you know, sort of the zeitgeist of motorcycling. I'm, at the I'm time. not sure, and I honestly can't tell you. And as somebody who loves Bonnevilles, and I, I said outside, and I will say it on air. If I get another Bonneville, which I will, because I'm ne- I'm never long without one. It'll be my ninth. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, very used to these bikes, and I love them, and I've loved every single one. I've had 60s Bonnevilles. I've had 70s Bonnevilles. I've even had a 2007, which I enjoyed very, very much. But is it so significantly different than any other product of that time? I don't know whether it is. I mean, the other thing I'd mm. say, too, Miss Emma, with deep respect, is that, <laughs> <laughs> that you start out with the Bonneville, then you go into Kawasaki was doing things that had a lot of copying. It kind of comes all the way through. No, it, Kawasaki it was, never copied the Bonneville. They copied the 650 BSA. You're talking about the W1s and W2s? Yeah, yeah. That's a BSA copy. That's a copy mm. of the BSA A10, which is what the but RGS the, but was But even the new ones, on. the W800s. and R- Which was based on the W1 and W2. <sighs> It's okay. not a Bonneville copy. It's a BSA copy. I'm going to say, let's let Knock decide. Knock, I love you. You're buddy. appealing oh, to Knock okay. now. This- Knock, you, did I tell you you're handsome tonight? You look really great. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is bullshit. Leave me out of this. So he wants the. He Switzerland wants, up in this. Just, just give me your money and I'll hold on to he it. He wants the Bonneville on, but is there. Thing. I said, what comes off the list? To well, put I would the Bonneville take. On? I would take the Britain off. Okay. No. Oh, I don't know about that, bro. <laughs> Come on. No, I, 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 it's like, it's look, too iconic. I'm, it's I'm too iconic. totally attract, attracted motosexually to the Britain. So yeah. let me just say that. Mm. But it's not a. It's not. They only made eleven. It's not popular. It's iconic. Where and and maybe this is something I don't know. But yeah. where was it trendsetting? What did it change? Well, it beca- I think because of the Britain like Ducati started it. It follows. Yeah, but it, it was a. It was a production GP race bike that that made in his garden. Oh, it's a wonderful story. What an amazing guy. But yeah, in they, terms of looking at the, 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 the motorcycling community and the it's, world, it's, it, it didn't have that. It is iconic. John, I am willing to compromise. How about we do this? We boot the Honda 70 off and roll that whole thing in with a curb. But instead of just saying the Bonneville, we take British all twins. those glorious British twins of 650cc that so many American riders got their start on. 
And we can include the Bonneville, and we can include the BSA Lightning, and we can include the BSA You know what? I 100% agree with you. And the Norton Atlas and all these glorious... So British twins, really, is the British twins. Throw them all in the same boat, boat, throw off the Honda 70, and because this is where a lot of you Americans got their start. Right. And I think that the slight mistake you made is... Your personal experience was with a Bonneville. Well, so I had a Tiger too. Right, a single foot, but six fifty. Yeah. But was to the, everybody uh, listening to this, who had a similar experience with a BSA Lightning or a BSA Thunderbolt, and feels just as strongly about their bikes as you, I think they're similar enough in concept and similar enough in execution that we can throw them all in together. It's just a glorious period of time. It's a wonderful. Design concept, lightweight, high power. They sound great, and so many people got their start on it. Yes, I am willing to group the seventies in with the Cubs because um, as Ryan uh, brought it up. I thought about they are both known for just being the bike of the masses. So I am willing to concede and put the. So those shall two, we put the tri- But I get to keep. The Britain and the GS twelve hundred. So let's oh, just. No, I'm not oh, willing to make that trade yet. No. <laughs> were were no. Ducatis on this list at all? Any kind of Ducati no, or Ducati. Italian? No mark? Ducatis. There wasn't no. anything Italian I, on the list. I uh, broke down on the way to the list. It was a Gucci, wasn't there? <clears throat> no. Really? No Gucci. No Gucci. No, 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 no Italian shit. No. What, what's going on with that? Because uh, I don't know anyone who can afford one. Well, I it's not. Hey, I have uh, one. Parked okay. outside. <laughs> That's so much about just, affordability at, at at that point. It's about like. Like the 996 no. is pretty. Uh, uh, that was iconic. No. The, the yeah. night. Well, if you're going to do that, it's got to be the no. 916. It can't yeah, be the 996. Sorry, the 916. So it's got to be. It's got to be any of the triple. Yeah, that, that one right there. No, the, the I think Blanche the one. only debate is between the Jixer and the R1. The Jixer and the R1. The Jixer 715. And the R1. Right. That's a hard debate. I think yeah. that that's CBR debatable. 900 yeah. RR I in between. I do not. <laughs> Ooh, that's all. That, yeah, well, then you can't have yeah. your Ducati on there. Right. So hang on, man. What about a monster? No. That, what? That kind of brought no. Ducati to mass appeal. I made a Ducati what it is. What are you taking off? Oh, I got to take some off? Take yeah, Britain. it's only top ah, 10. Flushed at Britain, I'm telling you. Oh, that's right. I don't know. I don't know. And by the way, I'm looking at an R80GS right there. Uh-huh. That is the trend center, and that should be on the list. No. I don't know. I feel Not the 12. I feel that like no. Ducati should still be on that list. Somehow. No. No. The tr- adventure trend didn't exist then. That was Perry a Perry Dakar, Dakar bike. The masses were not riding a Starbucks on those. Yeah, but it was a, it was no, a trendsetter. No, it was no, a start. No, but we're talking about the boom. Yeah, what happened that to the bike, GS1200. You don't have the twelve hundred. Ryan, back me up here. Um, Come on, Ryan. See, uh, I actually am more inclined to go with the R eighty, but just because mm-hmm. it. <laughs> how many R eighty sold versus how many GS twelve hundred? It, it's not about. So right. for me, it's not. It's 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 popularity. The ex- it's not the popularity. It's the the. Innovation. It was new. It was different. It was yep. something. It was something mm-hmm. that was added to a market. It was in a. It was the boxer twin off road dual sport, um, and it it really it kind of started that trend. Right. It didn't. It didn't boom it like the twelve hundred did, but it started. Did the Trans America come before the the uh, the, the R80? All right. So if you want to have the R eighty instead of the GS, then I'm putting the seventy back on and fuck the Bonneville. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if we're gonna do the, if we're gonna do the, the the GS, then maybe it should be the GSA. Mm. Oh no! Actually, the well, designer of the GSA was on our show. Yeah. Was, was yeah. that was that the model they sold exclusively in Canada? No. 
Oh no. It was just the first adventure bike. It was it was um, the, the, it was basically what my Multistrada Enduro is to the Multistrada. It was the bigger tank, the more robust uh, stuff. The, basically, the more uh, more off roady. What, what Darren said is he would because he was an off road rider. He would take the BMW GS and he would change all these things out to go do like Baja trips. So he introduced as a new designer for BMW all those changes already in the GSA. Oh, fair enough then. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if you know this. He did really cool things like. On the rear grab rail, which is required on mm-hmm. bikes, you have to have a rear grab rail. Um, knowing that so many um, off-roaders aren't going to be riding with a passenger, he actually designed it. It held on to four bolts. Mm-hmm. You can unbolt it, flip it around so it extended over the passenger seat, and thus have a larger cargo area. It's one little Easter egg that they couldn't advertise or show, but he designed it as an, a little in for the adventure riders. That might have changed my mind. I might have bought the GSA instead of the uh, Multistrada Enduro. Because I was weighing that heavily. I rode both of them. Well, this was on the first GSA. But, um, all right. We're still... Knock, did you decide about the Bonneville? Come on, Knock. No, I have not decided. Shit. Knock! They're all very compelling arguments, and that's lawyer me talking. Really? You're not going to make any decision? No, I don't know, man. I, I have to really think about it. Did you have your morning poop yet? I had my afternoon poop. Excuse okay. me. All right. Before this podcast, actually. Oh, so you're the he's the uh, he's, he's the culprit. He's the, he's the culprit. We were he's wondering who who, um, who the sniper was. I think <laughs> I think the important thing for us all to note right here is that at least this is an informed argument against worthy bikes. Mm. Unless the just the complete nonsense, the babbling from the <laughs> the babbling from the sick bed <laughs> that is coming from Cleveland Motor. Oh, hundred percent. Just it's not only is it applesauce; it is grade A applesauce. It really is. It's just you know. Well, one thing. How dare they? They they were only mm-hmm. thinking about. US no, they were global. only thinking. And they were thinking about the best bike. They I don't were think they understood what we were doing. Only thinking about themselves. Well, they were coming up with their own list and using their own criteria. I get it. But yeah, it didn't really compare. But let's, we still have to hash out ours, and Knock is being no help. So I'm going to have to I'm ask Ryan to be the decision maker. Come on, maker. Ryan. Okay. So Bonneville, um, in or out? Well, I'm okay with her compromise of British uh, Trends. No, way. I'm not. You're not oh. okay with I See, I was going to go with the British Twins. Combine the seventies, leave the Britain. If you say and, British twins, you say all, well, all no. Italian bikes. Well, no, no it was specific. It was specific to that. What basically what I mean, you can play it back and we'll figure out what she said, but it was pretty specific. Um, yes, the GS twelve hundred, not the R eighty, oh. because because Ka-ching. because mm-hmm. it went it it truly did expand into that. That baby boomer generation mm-hmm. of let's go to Starbucks and and ride our adventure bike and our fancy climb gear. Right. And- yeah. And you know when that was exactly my argument for including the Harley Evo on it. I mean yep. that really changed Harley. Oh, John, didn't you have a problem with that one too? Yeah, I I, I actually <laughs> and I had a Harley Evo, so it's not like but um, I mean I, I I think the Sportster was a much more in the what fifty sixties was a much more um, trend setting bike. For it, it was a be- it was a better looking bike, but it was that leap, and it's yes. exactly as you said, Ryan. It was that leap from going from a bike you had to be an enthusiast to own 
to being a bike that every person can own. Yeah, but own. if you didn't have the one, the earlier one, you wouldn't have the Evo. Oh, I don't agree. I think the Evo opened it up that you could actually ride a Harley Davidson out of the dealership without it peeing oil and breaking down. That's the game difference. Game changer. This is it a, was a, it, game, a game, game changer. changer. The, the Evo absolutely was a game changer. It's absolutely changed right, the whole landscape. I mean, technically, that's right. as as another my, category's my game changers. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what the, the GS1200 <laughs> game changer. And part of it was the bike and part of it was the timing of the trend. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look, we all have a lot of respect for the Bonneville. I think the Noco Moco guys might have a point. I like those guys. What point are they making? I don't know, but I'm inclined <laughs> to agree with them more than Philippe. But I thought Ryan agreed we had British twins on there, so and the Britons flushed. Mm. I, all right, I'm still willing to join all 70s in the Honda Cub as just the bikes for the masses. Okay? Because they're all Hondas. Yeah. Let's just say the Hondas. Hondas that suit the masses. Yeah. Right? Okay. That are millions and millions sold. We're still working on this list, Jesus. Yes. We are still working on this <laughs> it's list. It's a lifetime wow. project knock. Well, well we got called out by two podcasts. we got to figure something oh, out. Oh, man. Um, Jicks are 750 versus R1. What do you say, Ryan? No contest. Oh, gosh. This is a tough one for me because the... Um, the Jixxer 750, both the 1984 version that you guys were talking about earlier, as well as the SRAD version when they came out in, uh, what was that, 97, were really kind of just leaps in the progress. But the R1 also did that and has, yeah. from my world, in the racing world, the mm-hmm. R1 has been a dominant force since its introduction. And so for me, the it, it's tough. The R1 versus the Jixxer 750, um, I'm more inclined... And I'm a Kawasaki guy, really, honestly, um, when it comes to race bikes. So it's kind of tough to choose between those two. Um, but I'm more inclined for the R1 just because of how winning it has been globally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I got to go with that, too. Knock? Yeah. You want the CB1000RRRR? I, I was always thinking about <laughs> the, the pirate bike R. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I felt like the, the, that was a miss between those two. Is the uh, CB1000 or CB900RR was the one that should have been between that. There was um, that was a really light. Uh, it was also a really good bike of its era. But right, yeah. Emma, I'm I'm going to jump in on this vote. Yeah, and say the R1 over the Jixxer 750. In that, I think they're very even in many categories. Right, but I believe that the R1 is more rideable. The Jixxer mm. 750 was a lot more twitchier, and I think harder for someone to control. The R1. So much smoother, easier to control. You are entitled to that opinion as wrong as it is. (laughs) As wrong as it is. (laughs) All right. Knock, are you going to tie break on this one? No. God, you're an ass. I know. Hole. I can't can't think for myself, apparently. Oh, my God. That's okay, (laughs) Knock. That's so, knock is a lever. I don't know. Fire. I got here's. I, I, I need he's some time. St- he's to stuck on his 900 RR. Yeah, I think I am. Which was a damn good bike. It was. Yeah, I wish that had come with 17 inch front wheels. It yeah. really would yeah. have changed the bike. It would completely. have. It, they did eventually later, right? I, I mean, think but, when it went to the 929 is when it went. To the is 17s. it really that late? Yeah. yeah. I thought so. Oh, they hung on to those 16 inch wheels for. Oh wow. Ever. I thought they had had a version with a uh, six uh, 17. I guess that's just like people just would swap them out, right? And, you know, okay. it was kind of a retrograde because by the time it came out, 
everyone had gone away from 16-inch wheels. 16-inch wheels were a very mid-80s thing. Mm -hmm. And then by the late 80s, thank God, everyone had gone to 17. And then along comes the 900. It's back to 16 again. It's like, what? What is this? And then in racing, they went to the 16 and a half. Yeah. Which made it even more confusing. I'm going to say, just to finish up this list, let me recap this. We're going to do the Honda Cub slash any Honda 70cc all right then. up to this day yes. okay that's one Honda CB750 we all agreed that's yes. two yep the GS1200 sticking with it that's three Harley Davidson Evo you sticking with that Emma oh yeah four nobody argues the Vespa Rally 200 five the Honda Goldwing no one contested that six <clears throat> I'm gonna put the uh, the Gixxer 750 with an asterisk, <laughs> as in mm. this is debatable. They're all because debatable. it is so close to the R1. <clears throat> but I'm gonna leave it the Gixxer 750 because I'm gonna give Emma the credit, who usually knows what she's talking about, and also because I get to keep the Britain V1000 on there. What, what did the guys at Cleveland say? They want the R1. Oh, fuck yeah. those guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we all agree on any Husqvarna dirt bike from the 60s. And I, I hope that, was it Ron? Rob. 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 I hope that Rob understands why. I mean, that YC uh, 465, fucking hell, that was a good bike. Which means we have room but, for one more. Right. So, mm. I'm not going to let you put all the British bikes in together. But I do recognize, as John said... There's the whole cafe racer movement, the birth of the cafe racer, and the British bikes at one time were like the best bike you can get. Yep. Yes. So you need to pick one to represent them all. Are you are you talking about the cafe racer culture? <clears throat> I'm talking about you guys were talking about all these British bikes. Okay, pick are you, one. Are you talking one. about the Five, genre of five hundred speed twin of the? Oh, cafe- so you're letting go of the Bonneville now? Hey, if we're gonna. 500 speed twin. What do you think, Emma? <coughs> as good a bike as that is, if you were talking about everything that's gone up to this point mm-hmm. that you've that you've stuck a tail hump on and a pair of clip-ons oh, yeah, and yeah, tried yeah. to I mean, emulate something, there's only one choice. Because this is historically significant, this right. period okay. of British yeah. And it's a bike that was never made in production. This was a bike that was built in people's sheds and garages and has been copied Which a one? million times yeah. since then. And it's no choice. Which bike is this? The original Cafe Racer. Oh, the okay. Triton. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. no, I was thinking about getting rid of the uh, uh, Vespa and putting an, no. a, an Italian. Oh, God, no, no. no. Well, so no. The Vespa, Italian. They're, they're holding down Italian. for Italy, the Vespa. Yeah. Bagel will have no. a cow. But <laughs> yeah. the... If if you want to get down to it, the Triton, which usually came with a Bonneville engine, mm-hmm. simply because every single cafe racer that you see being slapped together or built lovingly or exhibited at a show or ridden in anger at night around your local town, there is a direct line of lineage between that and the Tritons of the 1960s. John, do you accept this? Sure. Oh. So just, you let just, go of the Bonneville, huh? Just take it, baby. Just take it. Well, he no, he got the Bonneville. He got the Bonneville I motor. I got the engine, at least. He got the motor. Okay. <clears throat> so I think we're... Are we good? Is that our new list? We slightly yeah. refined? Feels like you're putting a stamp on the list. I think so. <laughs> so 
All right. And when you came back in to set up, we started having a conversation about your next list. Mm-hmm. So the next mm-hmm. list is what do we decide it was the the most, most misunderstood. The ten most misunderstood <coughs> motorcycles. And I own oh. two on the list. I think I think the next list should be the top ten most butt worthy bikes of all time. I think it's going to be very similar to the the list we just made. Mm, no. The no. Britons, no. Gonna, no. the Britons, no. Be Honda seventies no. are not on there. No, that's true. So no. I, 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 that's a good list. I like the mis the misrepresented list just because it makes you really, really think about things that are out there. Like yeah. we talked about the BMW K one. We talked about the Ducati Paso nine hundred seven. We talked mm-hmm. about. Uh, the RF nine hundred. That, that so, Ms. do you count like the GB five hundred and the W six fifty on there? I, you know, I don't think so. Things that were good bikes but bombed at the time. No, How about the Ascot? The GB five hundred was loved. It was just so damn expensive. Yeah, you know, it was very very hard to justify buying a Gore Blimey 500. How much was it in retail? Brand? Oh, it was like, it was like seven fifty money. Oh Jesus, really? Oh yeah. You know, and it was sold alongside the Hawk GT, which is a far superior bike. Why on earth would you buy a Gore Blimey 500 when you could buy a Hawk GT? Yeah, it was there. They're tacking on the extra bombed for sentimental reasons. So, RF 900, fundamentally a great bike, but the years have been kind to it. It's very much admired now, but at the time, ugh. I remember back in, I think it was like 1984, maybe. Yeah. I think Cycle World or one of these magazines came up with their bike of the year. And I remember the cover. They were so embarrassed of their choice. It was just the shadowed profile of the bike. Was mm. that like a Suzuki Madura or something? No, because it was the Honda Ascot. Mm. Oh, okay. And mm. it was like, oh, we hate to say this is the bike of the year because it Such was. Such a great bike, though. <laughs> but not at the time it was no, like it wasn't it, it was i mean especially they were the, especially the 500 they acknowledged the, the single, that this yeah. is a, a great bike but nobody liked it kind of like the versus yeah there yep. you go i mean a versus is a great bike but very misunderstood but very misunderstood yeah. the, so the very first ducati uh multi-strata mm-hmm. great i mean phenomenal drive chain great bikes ugly is all looking yeah ugly is all sin the ugly strata i suspect that the guy who designed that, and I think it might have been a tamborini design. I think it was tamborini. He yep. was obsessed okay, with an egg he had for breakfast. Are we coming up with this list right now? <laughs> it was like uh, the trains. It was like the bullet trains well, of the seventies. Uh, I propose. No, I propose we, we you think on it and come back just as homework list. But I propose, okay. um, and I know Ryan will agree with me on this. I'm going to propose two bikes to get it rolling, and I either own one or I have owned one. And that is the Suzuki RF900. And the Honda PC eight hundred, mm. and the Buell Elysses. Oh, oh, any yeah. kind of Buell, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, any kind of Buell, really. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So, how about we get a list from people? I'm going to say, listeners, yeah. send us an email. Let us know what you think. Help us build this and list. Don't just send us. Don't just say, "Oh, it's this." Explain yourself. Explain <laughs> yourself. Explain. Show your work. You don't have to give us ten. Just give us one. The most misunderstood bike is a Bomberland from 1929 because it is the strangest bike in the world. Mm-hmm. Just why? Yeah. Explain why you think this belongs on a misunderstood bike. Really How about the Impulse or a Honda Rune? 
Oh, that was a terrible oh. motorcycle. <laughs> oh, the, uh, yeah, the impulse was, you know, I used to like it impulses. It was before his time. Yeah. It was too early. But yeah. it was, I used to like it until I rode one, and it's just so strange. And it sounds like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. <laughs> hmm. So if you would like to send us your uh, pitch for a bike to go on most misunderstood bikes of all time, send it to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. And don't forget, if you have any issues with our top 10 All complaints. Send it to Phil at ClevelandMoto.com. Which I didn't tell you guys. Did I tell you that? So I, mean, I think I read it last week. Somebody did send the email to me yeah. about Phil's list. <laughs> I like that we've switched complaint departments. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah, that's great. Well, I want to get into, Ryan, what you do and why you're here. But Fantastic. first, I need to check. Not Do you need a bolt or are you good? i got like 10 minutes. <coughs> okay. Yeah, I'll stick around for Ryan's situation All right. here. So, Ryan. Yes. You do a thing i do i do a few things but the you thing that thing. i do the most yes um so uh, my wife michelle and i last year bought a company called feel like a pro um feel like a pro has been around since 2009 uh, it was started by uh, brian bartlow um who still races afm and he now does the oh i thought what, i thought you were talking about penis enlargers oh no 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 wrong f- oh I, wrong 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 got it segment. sorry felt like a pro got it yeah, sorry felt like a pro no 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 oh, feel God. like a pro got it sorry Ouch. that's uh hopefully yeah but anyway that so changes the conversation completely different conversation i was really into okay. it before <laughs> um so uh, what we do is we provide an arrive and ride uh track day and race day motorcycle company so basically mm-hmm. um there's a lot of lot of riders that want to come and do track days, that want to come and race, that want to go to the track or mm-hmm. fly in and do iconic tracks like Laguna Seca, Sonoma, uh, the Ridge up in Washington. But they don't want to trailer their bike. They don't want all the pain of doing that. And so we do or it for you. Or to risk messing up plastics. Oh, yes. Or they don't want to ride their fancy, you know, yeah. Panigale or, mm-hmm. or whatever on the track. So we provide a basically a, a full service track ready rental bike for you. Um we have two specs of that. We we chose the Ninja 400 platform. Um, it's a great platform. Mm-hmm. It is very rideable to everybody at all levels. Um, from we've had brand new guys that just finished their MSF course come out and do track day schools with us, and we have Moto America pros that use our bike for training when they can just fly in versus haul their entire race rig out. Mm-hmm. So we've. Uh, uh, we bought the <laughs> yay go COVID. We bought in. Uh, we we closed in the business the first of February in 2020. Uh, got two or three really good events, and then COVID shut us down for a couple of months. So we've been you know scrambling to rebuild. Well, it's amazing mm-hmm. you got bikes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, uh, which by the way, not to sidebar. Um, knock. Yes. So Z was was here today, right? Mm-hmm. She went to Chaparral. Uh, Chaparral Motorsports. Yeah, down, in down the last south. couple of days. Uh-huh. Um, the big do you remember, place? you've not been there, right? Did no. you ever see the photos that, um, that yeah. Emma and I took when we yeah, went it's like there? A, it's like a super mall full of motorcycle shit, right? Like it's huge and it's, yeah. it's got everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it looks like right now. Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> Bone dry. What yeah. happened? All their inventory is gone. It's gone. They're, it's been sold. Yeah. Yikers, bro. Yeah. 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 Wow. Look, look, look at this. There's nothing there. It's like side by sides. Yeah. It's, it's, it's empty. It looks like it, like this is a shopping mall with like. It looks like a dying shopping mall. Yeah, just a That's pretzel crazy. cart. Yeah, yeah. It's, and and you mentioned getting yeah. motorcycles. Like we we have we had so we've grown our fleet. When we bought the the business a year ago, we had a fleet of six. 
We're up to 13 right now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we've got, uh, um, we also introduced a new uh, new spec. So we have a Ninja 400 standard, which is kind of a it's it's basically a stock Ninja 400 with upgraded brakes, clip-ons, and uh, race plastics. And then we did a 400R, which has got a we partnered with uh, Jesse Norton from Norton Motorsports um, and did a lot of his racier stuff. He built Rocco Norton's or uh, Rocco Landers' 400s mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And so sidebar, sorry, did you guys see the picture from Charlie's uh, t- tire change last no. weekend? What happened, Emma? Did you see it? No. He sent me a picture of the wheel. Because remember last time he had something, his other wheel, it said Josh Hayes written on the inside. Oh, really? Fantastic. Uh, Josh Hayes bike. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Well, Josh Hayes wheel. Yeah, at least the wheel off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I rolled in on my Josh Hayes helmet today. So I've got got to go way back with Josh. So that's pretty cool. Um, But so, yeah, so we've uh, we built a a more racy version. We've got uh, about 90 total days on the calendar this year. Um, About about 50-50 racing and track days. Um, So how many tracks are you covering? Well, we are doing, so uh, our home track essentially is the Thunder Hill. So okay. we do the east and west of Thunder Hill. Uh, a lot of racing at Buttonwillow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do as many Laguna Seca days as we can get. Yep. Laguna Seca's uh, prices have skyrocketed, just yeah. like everything else. So it's hard to get on there. But the joy of our bikes at, at uh, Laguna Seca is you don't have to worry about the 90 <clears throat> decibel sound limit because all of our bikes, we run stock exhaust at Laguna, so we, we don't have to worry about that. Sidebar. The dude who was at a track day who went off the track and hit the sandbag. Oh, boy. <sighs> Who was at fault? Uh, in your that's a opinion, big question. the dude that hit the sandbag. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but who sued Laguna Seca, Mazda, uh, uh, the track school? Everybody. Yeah, and my yeah. friends that I work with. Yeah, I, I yeah, really, yeah, actually, yeah. probably am not allowed to comment. No, this is just opinion. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I, um, I agree. Okay. No, so uh, Laguna Seca, Sonoma, uh, Buttonwillow, mm-hmm. Chuckwalla, uh, and then we're going for Memorial Day weekend. We're going up the ridge. Uh, we've got a really cool all-inclusive two-day school with Ken Hill that's going to be doing oh, yeah. coaching. Wow. All right. So we've got two seats left for that. Um, if you're interested in renting with Feel Like Pro, let's just check out our website. It's feellikepro.com. Um, my wife, Michelle, just did an amazing job building our new website. I'm just curious yeah. um, what criteria to rent. Would you rent to someone like Knock if I told you he's got a glass eye and three toes? <laughs> I got two glass eyes, son. <laughs> Can you ride a motorcycle? Yes. Are you financially prepared to accept the liability for you crashing the motorcycle? How badly am I crashing this motorcycle? Well, um, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I would probably. So basically yeah. at about $5,000, I hand you a bucket of parts and uh, it's your motorcycle now. <laughs> okay. Um, we do offer a protection plan. We can't call it insurance in California, but right. basically it's a, it's a kind of like you ante up and then mm-hmm. it reduces your liability. Okay. Um, so we, we have that. All the information on that's on our website. So it right. kind of helps. I think the trick, I mean, most crashes would yeah. be a low side just make sure you slide your leg under there Underneath to protect her. the bike from the track uh, well, and it's honestly that's one of the reasons why we chose the ninja 400 is that it, it crashes really well kawasaki we were talking about kawasaki makes trains the kawasaki the ninja 400 is actually made by yeah it's it's mating the look <laughs> it's made by their heavy industry so it's basically we call them our little tractors because they yeah. they are amazing little motorcycles you can throw them on the ground pick them back up and uh, I can, I genuinely have you only missing a couple of sessions to get you right back out on the bike. So yeah. it, it and, works out pretty well. And here's a sidebar. A few years ago, BMW brought out what should have been the best track bike ever, which is the S1000RR. The reason why it never caught on is because they're just so cripplingly expensive when True you story. crash. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're brilliant track bikes. They I are. mean, absolutely brilliant. But if you throw one away on a corner, 
It's the end of story. I mean, you you need a second mortgage to repair them. And right, sorry, Ryan. Well, and, and that's and that right there. So I get a lot of questions. Is like, well, why not six hundreds? Why not SV six fifties? Why not? Yeah. Why not bigger bikes? I want to ride a bigger bike. I want. Um, so you go out take a a six three six a ZX six and you low side it. You're out three four thousand dollars in yeah. parts and engine parts and things like this. Yeah. My average low side on a Ninja four hundred is about eight hundred bucks. Yeah. And that's I mean that's a I just had a hundred mile an hour low side at Chuck Walla and walked away with a broken foot peg. Well, and I would yeah. think that these bikes are a little more forgiving yes. uh, for no, for novice riders too. But but enough juice to have all the thrills. It is so much fun to watch, mm-hmm. you know, professional riders come off the track grinning ear to ear and go, Oh yeah. my god, this four hundred is the most fun. Giggles for dollars is yeah. what I call it. You have yeah. more smiles, smiles per dollars. It's so much fun to ride these little bikes on the track. And it's so much fun to go around the outside of a guy on his S1000 and turn two at Thunder Hill and go. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, too, like part of the appeal, too, is actually just riding on the track, irrespective of what yep. kind of motorcycle you have. If you have something small and light and that's you know manageable for a novice rider, that's that's even better. Yes. You're there for the experience of the track and riding the track and not so much being on a sick bike or whatever. You know what I mean? So so the other thing that we do to try and so some of the big complaints about, oh, I, you know, I want to go to the track, but I don't have leathers. I want to go to the track, but I don't have boots. I don't right. you know. So we also have rental gear. So we have uh, we have rental leathers, one piece rental leathers and a variety of sizes. I think we have about 20 sets. Uh, we also have we basically we rent everything but helmets because helmets are a little personal. It's kind of like sharing a condom. It's just not something I want to do. <laughs> yeah, but I had a hard time though. I will say one the previous owners when I called in because I'm stumpy and I've got short legs and they just didn't have any loading. Uh, and that and that is a challenge. We do we we're working pretty hard at getting that done. Uh, so we've, we've got some some leathers there, but there are some challenging sizes. We're having some challenges with. Uh, some of our women that are more pear shaped, trying to get them into into and, leathers, and men. Uh, and men that are, <laughs> I mean, round to shape. I mean, it's yeah, it's, I'm round, not not pear. Yeah, yeah, you're redwood shaped. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, uh, but we do a, we do a pretty good job at trying to make sure. Uh, there's only been like two or three riders this season that I couldn't get into leathers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're pretty good about uh, doing That's it. Good. Um, so it's 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 a pretty cool uh, pretty cool little organization. A lot of fun. It's a lot of work. We. Uh, um, we're on the road about every weekend. I just happen to not be at the racetrack this weekend and stop by. And I'm curious, uh, do you ever get the the people who just are so ADD, they can't focus on what they're doing and have to be playing with everything else and they can't... Oh, Emma. I was... No. Okay, so there's a backstory <laughs> yeah. to this. Is I knocked over one of Liza's bikes <laughs> and I got the stink eye. <laughs> so while everyone has been one of the eight hundred bikes on display, she had to touch right a model. And not a while real bike. everybody's <laughs> been talking, I've been quietly reassembling them. It wasn't that quietly? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was noisy. Okay, carry on. All right. So if you're like a pro, you rent a bike. Yes. And you rent gear. Yes. So you're enabling people. Yes. Um, especially people who don't have a trackable bike. He is. An I just enabler. I remember I first totally track day I did. I had my um, Ducati uh, 900 SS, and I had to do all these things to prep it. And I was still so worried about going down because plastics. Whew. Yeah. So this sounds like this is a great thing. It's it's an amazing thing, and it, I mean. We literally do everything for you, include make mm. breakfast. I mean, well, we don't make mm. it, but we have we have pastries and coffees and things like that. I do tech, I do fuel, I do tire adjustments yeah. for pressure. If your ergonomics aren't right, we'll adjust your ergonomics to make sure that you're comfortable on the bike. How much does it cost? Uh, it varies based on on the track that yeah. we're at, just because the track costs vary. Um, but our uh, baseline of Sonoma price on a Ninja Four Hundred Super Sport is going to be about four forty nine a day. That okay. includes your your 
your tires, your fuel, your your bike. But you're basically your crew. If, if you guys yeah. don't know, that's yeah. super reasonable. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, your so crew. Bucks is super reasonable you, for you, a track you do day. still have to pay for the track day because mm-hmm. yeah. we're partnering with the track day providers. Um, Thunder Hill, uh, our, our average rate at Thunder Hill is three ninety nine. We do offer a fifty dollar early bird discount at Thunder Hill, mm-hmm. so uh, you can get you can get a bike for three forty nine. And if you shop early with your your track day providers, you can get a track day for about you know one fifty to to two hundred. So you're looking at about six hundred bucks for a day, and you don't have to worry about renting a U-Haul or tracking yeah. your Ducati or doing any of that stuff. It's worth the convenience, I think. Yeah, and the other the other joy of it is that what we're finding is that we've like uh, we have uh, two days at Laguna Seca the third and fourth of July with uh, our, one of our partners fun track days. We have an entire group of people flying in from Austin, Texas. We've got like 12 nice. people flying in from Austin, Texas. Oh, that's rad. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do this every year. So cool. we actually built two more bikes so that we could accommodate enough people. That's great. I've got a question. Yes. What is your track bike? Uh, I I race mm-hmm. a Ninja 400. <clears throat> really? Yes. I race. Uh, you, I actually race one of our rental bikes. Nice. So, yeah. that's, that's So I race with AFM, CRA, um, and um, CVMA. And all in all three of those series, I race one of our rental bikes. You ever see a hippie looking dude named Yuri Berrigan out there? Probably. Yeah, give him a kick in the, in the <laughs> shin when you see him for me, will you? Yeah. But um, <laughs> Ryan came down and visited me down at Motor Town earlier in the week, and we we had a, a long chat about this. And I knew that he was using um, a Ninja Four Hundred as his own bike. There's a lot to be said for just sticking with one machine. It makes a great mm-hmm. deal of sense with parts. It makes a great deal of sense with knowledge. And you're kind of maneuvering yourself into being pretty much the West Coast expert on getting these things to go fast now, aren't you? I, yeah, I, I've uh, I've kind of grown under the tutelage of, of some of the guys that are really building the Moto America bikes. And I've just kind of gone out on my own and I've developed a, a formula that seems to really work with the Ninja 400. Um, I've actually started doing client builds. So if you have a Ninja nice. 400 that you want track ready or track prepared, um, you can bring it to me. Uh, I'll give you a, a basically it's an a la carte list of what do you want on it? And OK, I want this, 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 this and this. OK, cool. I'll send you a quote. You approve the quote. I'll get your stuff on the way and build it. Do Brad. you have any Hello Kitty stickers? To put on? <laughs> That's the, the extra extra cost. Um, if <laughs> Miss Emma comes and does a track, I'll put a Hello Kitty <laughs> sticker on the bike. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you darling. Um, but no, I mean, it's, so I've done, we've done about, we, I think we just finished our 10th client build, oh, nice. um, which is re- it's a lot of fun. Uh, my mechanic and I, uh, Mario, we do all the wrenching on our bikes. Um, right. we, we, um, a year and a half ago, I had, I had never even ridden a Ninja 400. Mm. Um, I raced R6s, um, and was fairly happy with my R6s until I got on a 400, uh, just fell in love with the 400, just sold both of my race R6s, uh, because it is just, um, it's such an a, a attainable class for everybody. I've yeah. got I've had um, eighty three year old clients come out and ride, and I've got a fifteen year old girl on my race team, um, Jasmine Nichols, the panda, who the racing panda. She is brilliant, and right. it's from any age, any skill level, from professional rider all the way down to you know brand new novice. You know, it's a lot of fun. It gets down to that school of thought that it's always going to be more fun to ride a lower-powered bike flat out than a very, very high-powered bike that you constantly having to watch your throttle imports. Yeah, I agree. When I did it on my uh, Ducati 900, I was 
petrified in the yes. in the turns up at Sonoma, like doing the carousel. But then I'd hit that straight away. <laughs> and that was fun. But then became I played a game of chicken with myself. When you get to the end of the straightaway before you got that yep. hairpin, how fast can I keep it over a hundred before I downshift a second yep. and make that turn? And I would think with a, a bike like this, I'm gonna be taking less risks and just be a lot smoother rider. There, there is a lot less risk yeah. on the 400, which is one of the principal reasons why I stopped racing 600s because mm-hmm. the 400 is is really, it, it reduces the risk. You can't eliminate all risk. And actually when you're signing waivers at the day of, I'm like, hey, uh, motorcycling's stupid. You shouldn't do it. And you agree <laughs> not to sue me. You're like, this is my kind of stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's my kind of stupid. Um, the thing that the other thing that the Ninja 400 has going for it, you, you were talking about how long you can hold it at 100 before you start your back shift and braking. They come stock with a slipper clutch. Nice. And it's brilliant. I mean, it's okay. So it's not a like five spring STM slipper clutch, but it's a really good out of the box slipper clutch. Mm -hmm. Now, Knox a little shy, so he hasn't asked it, but he really wants to know, does it wheelie, yo? (laughs) Uh, Yes, they will wheelie. Um, (laughs) wheelie. You can wheelie. Yeah, uh, I actually, uh, when I started racing CVMA this year, their starter has a different, um, we'll call it cadence and rhythm than the starter at AFM. (laughs) And I could not figure out out her her rhythm. And I went from being a really good former motocrosser, like I can start and beat everybody the first corner to wheelie machine and i hate wheelies some when my good friend jason knows why i hate wheelies um my mayor may not have wheelied over his 996 (laughs) um so i don't wheelie um but yeah they will wheelie so and one of the reasons that you had reached out to us is you're doing some um let's say fact finding you're doing some research i am i am in a a fact finding research phase um i'm looking to kind of expand uh, we'll call it the community garage network. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I get a lot of phone calls about people going, Hey, can you change this? Or can you help me with this? Or do you know anybody that works on this motorcycle, um, here or, um, in a lot of the, the internet forums and Facebook, Facebook groups that I'm in, I get a lot of people going, Hey, you know, do you anywhere know that I can get a chain changed? Like right now, I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of want to open a uh, something similar to the Recycle Garage, um, kind of a hybrid, more of a teaching. I'm a, I'm a high school teacher by day right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my my main gig is I teach high school in Sacramento. Um, and I, I love teaching. I'm tired of teaching other people's kids. Um, no offense to the kids, but um, actually, it's the, I understand. <laughs> I uh, it's I've been teaching for six years since I retired from the Air Force, and I'm ready for a change. It's the longest I've ever done anything. Mm-hmm. And so I want to keep teaching and imparting knowledge. Yeah. And so I'm looking at uh, kind of taking a, a model that the military uses um, for overseas bases called an auto hobby shop, where you can come in and rent a bay with a set of tools and and learn how to work on your motorcycle or fix your car or whatever. So I'm just kind of, I'm visiting shops. I went down to Mototown and visited Emma. I came to the recycle garage today. I've got a couple other stops that I want to make. Um, but I'm, I'm working uh, with a couple partners to try and bring a community teaching garage to the Sacramento area. Nice. I think it'd be great. There's so many different um, the facets that a community garage can fill in the yep. motorcycle community. Um, I've mentioned down at Lucky Wheels in LA. I love that they host like events and barbecues and parties and motorcycle shows. Yes. And at, um, at, uh, Skidmark in, in Cleveland, they have MotoGo where they're yeah. teaching kids how to work on bikes and rebuild engines. And, uh, over, well, Piston and Chain isn't here anymore in the city, but they had like Elspeth Beard's book right. signing, like doing events. Yeah. 
Um, and then I'm uh, working with um, Garage of Silicon Valley and taking all this gear that we've collected and p- putting up racks at their uh, co-op space to sell all this gear to give money back to nonprofits yeah, from yeah. all the gear we have. and But also still getting affordable gear to people who need it. And that's, that's I mean, really the the common denominator that all of us misfits have, because I was telling this to Miss Emma when I visit her, like, I feel like I'm the long lost misfit, mm-hmm. um, is that we have this passion for two wheels and sharing that passion with other people. Yeah. Right. It is a way, for, I mean, for me, it's it's therapy. Um, it is, sure. I, I grew up, I got my, <laughs> um, we argued earlier that I thought that the uh, JR50 should be added to the top five or the top 10 list <laughs> because the Suzuki JR50 was the first motorcycle I got on my I'm third I'm sorry, birthday. but you missed your opportunity it's to over. have it's that It's fine. Argument. We got the 70. Um, but so, like, I mean, I, I started writing it at three years old. Nice. And... I, it, Do we have your dad to thank for that? Uh, grandparents. My grandparents. Grandparents. Owned, go yeah, grandparents. Well, yeah, they owned a One set of grandparents owned a Suzuki dealership. The other oh. set owned a uh, an ice cream parlor. And if we didn't touch oh. the motorcycles, we got to make our own ice cream. Dude, that's like perfect. Dude. It was awesome. Oh, shit. So I love ice cream and motorcycles, and oh, I'm slightly man. overweight because I love motorcycles and ice cream. Oh, man. Um, but no, it, it's just such a good common connector. I right. mean, my yeah. best friends I've made either because of the military or motorcycles or both. Yeah. So... So you said you want to teach. What kind of things do you want to do? Do you want to do seminars? Um, so we want to do some seminars. We want to do like um, I partner with Dave Moss a lot. He does these the you know pretty famous uh, suspension tuner and, and coach. So he does, mm-hmm. he's uh, we want to do suspension tuning classes. We want to do just basic how to change a tire, how to how to how to change your oil, how to change mm-hmm. all three of the oils on a Harley Davidson. Um, <laughs> And and clean the one up that's on the ground too. Or is there, is there, yeah, and, and how to how to pick up the lead. here's how you use the kitty litter. Right. Um, so yeah, we want to do we want to do some teaching seminars. We want to do the rent a mechanic kind of situation. Um, we're we're probably six months or a year out before we really get the garage going. I'm just trying to figure out what the demand is and what. Uh, um, we got a situation. We have right a situation here. here. The right. podcast up over the top and down. Is, there you go. There we go. He's figuring it out. It's like it's his first day or something. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we were at, like I said, the garage of Silicon Valley, um, and they just had a tire workshop. Yeah. Where, was it somebody from Dunlop, I think, came in and just yeah. explained tires? Yeah. Uh, we recently have had, we've had now twice, a suspension workshops. Yeah. Where someone comes in for 40 bucks. I think you guys uh, did uh, JPH, Jason, right? Yeah, JP. So, you know, Jason. Yeah, he 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 turned my, he tuned my first race bike uh, suspension-wise. And, and you, uh, John, you said that you could notice notice the difference. Yeah, it was a big difference. You know, it was the uh, the used Tiger I just bought, and it was soft, yeah. it was way soft. Well, not only is he doing it, but he wanted to yeah. take the time to explain and show stuff, but we just didn't have the setup to I do th- it. I think the beauty of where the industry is at now, because it's so hard to make a living in the industry, those of us that are left really have a passion for what we're doing. And it was back in the 80s and the 70s, it was so easy to make a lot of money in the motorcycle industry. It attracted some fairly shady characters. And it's become so hard to make a living at it now. You've really got to have a passion for it to to want to be involved. So Jason at JP8 Suspension, yes. Ryan, myself, <coughs> we, we really, and the guys over at... Um, San Jose. Um, everyone really has this this visceral passion 
for keeping bikes on the road and just keeping this this wonderful soap opera, this community going. Mm-hmm. So, uh, were there any things that we can answer questions for you? Yes and and no. No, uh, and, and I, now that you've um, seen the garage, was it a lot more shittier and dumpier than you thought? Um. Well, so my first stop, <laughs> you can say yes. <laughs> you get um, my first stop, my first stop was Moto Town, um, and Moto Town was uh, Moto Town was about what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was primed that uh, based upon what Moto Town was, that recycle was going to be different. Um, <laughs> it's going to be very different. Um, I I love I love that that um I well I love that I couldn't find it. Um, and I drove past it <laughs> yeah. and I parked on the side of the street to call you. And then Emma popped over and goes, Hey, we're right over here. You yeah, found us. I'm like, like <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it, I mean, I walked up, they said, Hey, there's tacos right over there at the taco place. And, uh, I sat down and I felt immediately well, folded in and, yeah. and welcome. So it's like a I, little dive bar in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> that is such a good dive. description. Yeah, it's a divey spot, dude. It yeah. Is. And it's, it, uh, I, I love, I love the, the eclectic, the eclectic, just assembly of what you have going on. The possum mummy. Yeah, that uh, that creeped me out at first, but uh, um, they creeps me out every time I go in there. Well, I looked up and I was like, uh, "There's a, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's nasty. Okay, yeah, it's nasty. Uh, but no, I I really appreciate you guys uh, bringing me in and kind of giving me the 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 lowdown. I mean, Emma had spent a lot of time with me uh, on Thursday. I think that was Thursday. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I think it was it, it was Thursday. Yeah, I, I've but just how, done. How I've do just you guys done. Know each other? Uh, I just, no, we don't. Oh. We don't. I uh, I found you guys as I started looking into this. I found oh, the po- I found the podcast okay. about eight months t- uh, a year ago. Gotcha. Started listening to the podcast. Um, and then this idea kind of re came came back up because I originally right. had this idea a while ago, mm-hmm. um, but it just kind of went on the back burner. And yeah. then I just reached out. I sent an email and said, hey, I'm taking this trip to San Diego. Uh, my stepson just commissioned in the Air Force uh, yesterday. And nice. so, um, yeah, it was amazing. He uh, um, don't know what he's going to do yet. And we're waiting on the Air Force to tell him what he gets to do. But so I was like, hey, I'm going to rather than fly down, I'm going to ride my, mo- my Multistrada down. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to basically garage hop. Yeah. And and that's what I did. So I stopped at hers. I went, uh, I visited oh, some so other cool, people. Dude. Yeah. And I... And uh, and I ended up here, and uh, Emma's like, "Hey, uh, you want to be on the podcast?" And Liza's like, "Are you vaccinated?" I'm like, "Yes, I have my shots and three pairs of pants." <laughs> nice. Um, and <laughs> all right. And this is the beauty. This is how we know it was meant to happen. It's so Ryan reached out. It is serendipitous. Ryan reached out to me, I think two or three weeks ago, yep. and sent me an email just out of the blue. Hey, I'm Ryan. This is what I want to achieve. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sure. Um, when do you want to come over? And he said, oh, I want to come over this time. And I promptly forgot because <laughs> that's what Emma does. Yeah. So, so Emma. meanwhile, on Wednesday, I was eating a particularly crunchy breakfast cereal and destroyed one of my front teeth. So Thursday morning, which is when Ryan originally wanted to visit to me, there, yeah. I was sitting in the dentist chair getting this delightful gold crown put on. <laughs> um and I got out, got out from the dentist, and then Ryan showed up almost immediately afterwards. Yeah, and, and I was late. I was late, um, very late. 
Was she still drooling? Uh, she, speech, the, speech was relatively slurred, but I couldn't decide if that was normal I, or British. I always leave the dentist looking like I've had a stroke, you know. Um, and I don't recall why I was late. I think I just took a very circuitous route getting here and decided that I wasn't going to ride the freeway. And I so I took uh, Highway 49 down the Sierras and Smart got across. Right. And, Smart man. And, um, uh, and had a good time. But I'm, I'm glad you had a good trip. And I hope... We've fed you some ideas, no, you but I mean, ultimately, have. your garage is going to be your space. Yeah. And whenever you do something like this, it is so deeply personal. Um, you have to put your own spin on it. Absolutely, and I've got I've got some uh, got some really good ideas, and you guys uh, have given me um, a really just a good foundation of what uh, what how I want to build it. And uh, I, I thank you guys for bringing me in and making me feel welcome. Oh, yeah, you're so sure. welcome. Um, often it dils- distills down to because, you know, um, we we get asked this a lot. How do we start a garage and how do we how do we even get started? And Liza always says the same thing. She's absolutely right, of course. Just buy chairs. Put Just out chairs. chairs. Put out chairs and they'll come. <laughs> yep. yep. Put out Fantastic. chairs and they'll come. And uh, lots of number 10 everything. Yeah, <laughs> or number four, Allen's. Yeah. No, um, we've built community here, not a business. Yes. And um, because there's a niche of people who can't afford right. anything. And so we're trying to help them. There's another niche of people who want to learn. Yes. And I'll tell you, a large uh, portion of that segment is women. Yes. So making things uh classes for women is is a great thing right now because they're great students they want to learn and that's and that is where um and that is where my wife michelle comes in i mean she is um she she had not ridden a motorcycle on her own until two years ago Mm -hmm. um and she decided one day she's like hey you're really passionate about this you really seem to love motorcycles um i want to do it so i shopped around shopped around found her a ninja 400 went and bought it she went took her msf course realized that she is stubby uh, verdict, we call it inseam challenged. Um, yes. so I had to figure out how to make a five foot, you know, girl be able to touch the ground mm-hmm. and feel comfortable. So I had to, you know, that's when I started learning how the suspension on the 400 works and lowering it and getting it squared away. But as we're getting more into the, the, the motorcycle track day and racing culture, there are so many independent women out there that really want to do it. I mean, we've talked about, I talked about the base layer I'm wearing from a leaky from, yeah. mm-hmm. from venom. I mean, she, she brought, they brought me into the family. I am a straight up newbie in this industry. Um, two and a half years ago, I got my first track bike. Then I started, I was a track day coach for an organization and then I became a racer and then I bought a business. Yeah. And now I want to open a second one because why, why do anything half-ass? I'm a full ass kind of guy. I'm jumping in with both feet. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I encourage you to do this. I think that there's a niche of racers. You're already providing bikes to people and enabling people who couldn't already go to the yeah. track because they may not have a trackable bike. Like, John, have you ever done a track day? Mm-mm, have not. You don't really have a bike that you could just appropriate for a track day. You could do it on the Tiger. You probably, could do it on a KLR. But, <laughs> you, you, can, you can come out and do it on one of my, four, my do it on 400. Yeah, yeah, so you're already creating an yeah. environment to and have I, people come in. And I have one for low-end seam riders. There you go. All right. Um, but then to also have a, a garage to help people yeah. learn because anyone with a race bike has to know how to do all the work. Yeah, I mean, at a minimum, you got to be able to change your tires, you know, service your chain, do your oil changes, mm-hmm. safety wire. You know, yeah. when I first started racing and trying to figure out how to drill 
bolts to safety wire. Oh, I can't. The ass. I can't count. I probably Snap the drill bits. Seven dozen drill bits. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I bought all the drill bits at all the Home Depots in my area, <laughs> and then went to Lowe's. Yeah. Um, so no, it's just that teaching that stuff, teaching that 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 motorcycle craft that is is missing. Uh, Emma and I were talking about it on on Thursday. If you look around most motorcycle shops, like at actually at a dealership or on a race team or on TV and MotoGP at Moto right. America, all the mechanics are old. Mm-hmm. There's no, we're, we've taken Votech out of school. We've taken, right, right. you know, we've taken auto hobby shop out. We've taken all that stuff out yeah, of the schools. And I'm seeing that now with where I teach, I teach in the inner city in Sacramento and my kids aren't going to go be lawyers. They're going to go be roofers and carpenters and, right. and, and we don't have that education anymore. And so if I can give this in a way and do mechanical <coughs> education, basic mechanics right. in a way that mm-hmm. makes sense. And maybe put some bread on the table. That'd be great. And it is a hard sell. I mean, if you were, if I was to try and sell a career as a motorcycle mechanic to somebody from scratch, I'd say, okay, this is a career that is going to last you a lifetime as it's lasted me. This is a career that you're going to meet the kind of friends that stay with you forever. These are all the good things. But then there's the downside that occasionally every single part of your body is going to hurt because you're (laughs) lugging giant Harley Davidsons on your ramp every day. Your hands are never going to get clean. Just never. And have divots missing out of them. Can can you... (laughs) Yes, all my yeah. all my knuckles are bleeding. Can you add baggers to your re- to your rental fleet now? Um, <laughs> king of the baggers, baby! Oh my god, I, I love we the King of the Baggers series. Um, so Chuck Walla at CVMA mm-hmm. for the winter series. Yeah. Their bagger class lined up at the same time as their their lightweight twins, basically <laughs> us. So it was it was Ninja four hundreds and all these six hundred pound baggers. And I'm coming <laughs> around. Awesome. The, I'm coming around the bowl there on the outside of this guy on on some glide something or other that's dragging his <laughs> luggage on the ground. I'm going, God, I sure hope this guy can fucking ride. <laughs> if not, we're gonna this is gonna suck. But no, it's it, it is such a cool thing to get that crowd that. That that Harley crowd, that the Indian crowd, that bagger, mm-hmm. that American iron crowd mm-hmm. into the paddock. Um, yeah. All like the CRA that's just starting up at uh, at Buttonwillow. Um, Gigi Chow, Dustin Coiner are are starting that new race series, and they're they're really focusing on making sure that the the American Twins is part of it. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. But uh, yeah. it's uh, I don't know if I have the space to haul baggers to the track, but maybe we'll look into it. <laughs> yeah, but maybe the baggers can haul the four hundreds. Dude, just ride them. Yeah, maybe 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 <laughs> that's it. Maybe it around. <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll pull the four hundred trailer with a Harley. There you go. Know, we'll that works, you know. Nice. Well, I wanted to thank you for coming in. Thank and, you. Uh, Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate sharing. it, yeah, man. I think we've got time to read some emails. Doc, you want to read this one? No, you can read it. Come on, you read. I, I saved this one for you. Just because of the first uh, line, shit, it has really to be read. All, like, shy has, today. No, no, this has to be read by you. Come Huzz, on, uh, this is from Brandon. Yeah, huzzah, motherfuckers! Yeah. <laughs> hey, Brandon. <laughs> I have a couple of questions about oil changes. Uh, Miss Emma. Hello, darling. Always says that she uses the highest quality uh, oil that is yes. available. What yes. would you be looking at to, uh, to what to, to, to about that? <laughs> What should I be looking at to determine what oil I should buy? With a V-Strom I just sold, I would always use Suzuki brand oil okay, because it was available. Uh, now I have a more performance-oriented bike, which is a Triumph Street Triple. Okay. And uh, any 
finds himself thinking about what to get in terms of what's uh, high quality oil. Think is pondering what's the best kind of oil for that kind of bike. And uh, the second one is Miss Emma also says she prefers to use the oil filter filter that comes from the manufacturer. Yes. Uh, the Triumph website says they'll only ship an oil filter to a dealership at the nearest Triumph dealer, which is three hours away. Ah, uh-huh, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, is there, are there alternatives to OEM oil filters? Yes. Yeah. And thanks for all the last They're advice. They're not any good, though. Yeah, well, thanks for all the last <laughs> advice through the years. Uh, Brandon from North Carolina. Hello, Brandon, Brandon. from North Carolina. Um you take this one later. So because can you, I just drone on. Can about- any good uh, shop order directly from Triumph? Yes. Yeah. So any shop should be able to listen. Get if that good if oil Brandon from. goes on to Amazon or uh, eBay or, or Etsy or whatever, and just punches in. Oh, what the- about Banggood? Banggood and punches <laughs> no. in the Triumph part number. And the Triumph, how do I get the Triumph partner? But that's very, very easy. You go to somewhere like um, Chaparral or Bike Bandit, Mm -hmm. and they've got all the schematics with the part numbers. Mm -hmm. You get the part number for the oil filter, which is T210, blah, 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 blah. You punch that in. You buy it. They're not expensive. They're about eight bucks a pop. You get it shipped to your house. You just said Chaparral or Bike Bike Bandit, they're going to be selling you They'll have them. The factory right. oil filters. So and they'll you don't need to go to Amazon. Right. So they'll they'll go ship directly, you know. But, there you go. But on Amazon, that'll just show up tomorrow. That's true. Why? Yeah. On, on, so, on a drone. Why, right. why does Emma recommend the genuine filter? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Um, there's been some quite famous um, failures of a well-known American brand of... That has a nut on the end of it. That, that has a nut off. on the end of it. <laughs> oh, and that's enough to put you off. But secondly, and this isn't true of all bikes, but it's true of a lot of bikes that have the spin-on type oil filter. It's not just a filter. It has a pressure relief valve within. Mm-hmm. What is a pressure relief valve? Well, let me tell you. It's a bypass valve, and right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, all four-stroke engines and two-stroke engines, but they do a slightly different thing, have an oil pump in them. Um, and the oil pump basically pushes lubrication around the engine. It's designed that the engine can make sufficient oil pressure at low RPM, not to grenade. So if you're at 1,500 revs and you give it the beans, it needs to be making good oil pressure. The problem is engines these days rev from 1,000 RPM up to 14,000. So if you make an oil pump that makes buck at 1,000 revs, at 14,000 revs, it's going to be going gangbusters. So that'd be too much pressure. I think that takes the R1 off the list right, right there. So what, <laughs> what the manufacturers the list. do the list is, stamped. is they put what's called a pressure relief valve in the system. So when the oil pressure gets up to a certain amount, which is usually like 50, 60 PSI, you don't want it much more than that, it'll open and bypass the oil back into the system. This is often contained within the oil filter itself. So it ain't just an oil filter. Um, I like genuine oil filters. How obsessed am I? If you were to look under the hood of my Jaguar, you will find a genuine Jaguar oil filter on it. They cost me an absolute fortune, but every Jag I've ever owned, I've sent up to over a quarter of a million miles. So tra-la-la. 
Easy to get a genuine oil filter, get it shipped to home. Oil, your Triumph likes synthetic oil. Synthetic oil is good because it doesn't break down with mileage like mineral oil does. Mineral oil, three, 4,000 miles, it's all over. Synthetic oil, because it's a synthetic product, it's good for six, seven, eight thousand miles, and your Triumph needs that. Um, I haven't got time to talk about oil. We should do an Ask Miss Emma about oil. I agree. Emma, would you say that really what they want to look for also is J-A-S-O? Yes. I mean, generally, the days of shitty oil are gone. Um, yeah, you can't buy shitty oil these days. Yeah, as long as you stick with a manufacturer, at least you recognize the name of. But yeah. even then, you know, the the big thing, do not put car oil in your bike if it has a wet clutch. If you ride a BMW or a Harley, Harley or a Triumph, you can actually, or the, an older, older Triumph, and uh, Ducati's are kind of finicky. Dry clutch? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but there's, there's, only, other, a, there's th- only a few dry clutch and Ducati's left. Right. Okay. But generally, don't put car oil in a bike. Okay. Um, use proper yeah. bike oil. And there's no excuse because it's actually, slip. yeah, you'll destroy your clutch and blah, blah, blah. So, okay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Uh, John, you got one to read? <clears throat> oh, Okay, I apologize to Bagel because I'm not going to be able to do the uh, accent. Yeah, you got to try. As, as good as him. You got to try. The Bagel. This is a hard one. So, Gior <laughs> Misfits. <laughs> My name is James, and I'm a Kiwi living in Germany. Oh, you blimey. will comply. Yeah. Good luck with the accent. <laughs> you're doing a smash up job, John. I'm it's th- like you're there. I'm 34. I don't know what that is. So, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's living in uh, Scotland now. Um, and I've been on two wheels since I was four. That <laughs> was from Brooklyn? <laughs> Not from Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry here, uh, James, but you know. Yeah, keep it. Keep it. <laughs> After a few years of living life in S-M-I-D-S-Y. Sorry, mate, I didn't see you. Incident on my Vespa. Yes. I got uh, back to two wheels here in Germany. Yeah, yeah, And subsequently, yeah, yeah, found your podcast. Wait, now he's in Russia. That is, that is, that is not. That is not a German accent. This is not very good German. It's a horrible uh, German accent. I have a, I have a slight man crush on Jim. What a chill dude. Well, you haven't seen his naked <clears throat> buns yet, so there we go. Then you um, absolutely fall in love with him after you see that. So I have spent time on two wheels, mainly in the Alps and the Dolomites in Germany, Austria, Italy, Switzerland, France, and Spain. Yes, I am bragging. Against my better yeah. judgment, I have spent lockdown customizing a 1990 DR650, picture below, uh, I got as a barn find for a few hundred euros with only 10K, uh, nice. 10 kilometers on the clock. Uh, the only things that are still stock are the mainframe and the engine, and it has a custom subframe and seat, uh, RMZ450 front end, Mucuni flat slide carb, k air filter, handmade pipes, XL SM mm. wheels, full LEDs, M unit, and M button setup. I'm about to go to the German. I'm about to go to the German authorities. The Tuve. to see if we can get it road legal. Nice. Good luck. Yeah. You will comply. Yeah, right. You will comply. <laughs> the only question mark is the exhaust. The fun police are very strict with the noise of an old thumper. With a flat side carb is not the quietest machine. As such, I had to modify with a DB eater and pack the exhaust with Acoustafil to dampen the noise. The downside mm. is it doesn't breathe as well. With all that shit and it's running hot, small niggles to f- to figure out, but hopefully I will get it sorted. All this to say, I love listening to your podcast while work while working away. Coming to California to visit the garage and ride in your area is definitely my bucket list. 
We hope you come. Keep up the good work and stay shiny side up. Cheers, James. <clears throat> yeah, man. I saw the picture. That's a, it's a cool. I seen it. There. It's a dope looking uh, bike. Oh! It's a borderline flat tracker kind of looking yeah, thing. Super cool. Yeah, I like bikes it's, like that. That looks very German. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, see if you could put like the uh, OEM pipes on there, maybe for, for the TUV cert. Then just remove it or something. I love that. Bike. Yeah, put them on the pass and then take them That's, off. Like yeah, we all do. <laughs> so, yeah. Just eBay, Amazon, find the the OEM pipes because honestly, with homemade pipes, you're not going to get through the German authorities. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, Emma. I have one here from Alex G, which hey, clearly stands Alex. for Gore Blimey. <laughs> Dear Misfits, I have been enjoying your podcast for about two years now as I got back into motorcycling in the spring of 2019 after about a 10-year hiatus. Just last week, I finally got in as a Patreon. Hold on. Knock has to leave. Goodbye, not. Take it easy, guys. It's nice meeting you, uh, Ryan. I I think I'm going to bounce as well because I got to go set up a tent. We're about five minutes out of being done. I'm good. He's just a wuss. Uh, Bye, knock. I got to eat dinner. (laughs) Bye, knock. Bye, 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 knock and germs. I love you. (laughs) I love you too, knock. (laughs) Nobody loves you like me, knock. All right. Um. So, um. Just last week. I finally got in as a Patreon at the Ask Miss Emma level. Yeah. Oh, lucky you. Oh, all the spots have been taken. Yes, and was tickled when it was mentioned at the end of your last podcast, figuring I was super lucky to have gotten in when I did. Yes, you were. Anyhow, your podcast has been pivotal in my enjoyment of motorcycling because I decided to stop riding due to poor drivers and a riding community that I didn't want to be part of. Unfortunately, that is quite true everywhere, Alex. However... Have found to be wonderful now. Good. I write to ask a question that I've been struggling with. So I would love any advice you can give. All right. Okay, here it comes. Let me put my seeing glasses on. (laughs) I'm planning a long journey in two years to ride from my home near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Uh to Prudhoe Bay, Alaska. Then down the West Coast, hopefully with a stop at the Recycle Garage. Those guys? And then back to Pennsylvania. My plan was to buy a large Adventure bike for the journey, but I found that none of them excite me much. I like the Africa Twin the most, but I feel it may be too big. It is a big motorcycle. Stumpy John can't do the Africa Twin. At the same time, something like the CB500X feels like it might be too small for the journey. I don't actually agree with you there, No, that Alex. could be a really good bike for that. Um so, Weber, uh, I recently just missed an opportunity on a Bergman 650 executive <laughs> that I thought would be wonderful for this trip and other trips like it. Well, it's a different point of view. I like adventure-style bikes because the riding position to me is very comfortable. While I like European bikes, I don't think it's something I'd be happy with long-term. I keep going back to the CB500X, V-Strom 650, Bergman 650, an Africa Twin. Am okay, I missing a gem <clears throat> that I should be considering? Yes, you are, and we'll come to that too. Is something like a CB500X or V-Strom 650 the perfect middleweight that I'm looking for that can do transcontinental work with me and my gear? Or will I just kill the poor thing? Am I daft in thinking the Bergman 650 would be good for this? Yes, you are. Please help. Yes. 
Yep. Also, for what it's worth, my up the butt bike would be an early nineties BMW K1 hey. oh. in navy blue with yellow wheels and decals. Um, the only reason is being is that when I was sixteen or seventeen, there was one for sale locally, and I drooled over it. Yeah. Well, I hope you mopped it up, darling. All the while, my parents giving me the stink eye because they were and both very anti. Two wheels. All right, pause. Do you need to get out, Ryan? You got bells going off. Um, I've got somebody calling from Japan. I'll call her back in a minute. Okay. Okay, very good. Lastly, to Miss Emma, I wish you the best of luck with Mototown. Thank you, darling. I think it's wonderful that you're opening your own shop. Also, in the spirit of the last podcast, quick shout out to Mothership Moto in Pittsburgh. Oh, I like the name Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. While I haven't used their services, friends of mine have and were very pleased with their results. To all of you, thank you so much for the podcast and making me feel like I was part of what you do and part of the great something that is motorcycling all the way over here on the East Coast with much love from a wannabe misfit. That is the only line I disagree with. Uh, Alex G, you are not a wannabe misfit. You're one of us, darling. All right, so I'm going to list off three obvious bikes. KLR 650, DR 650, yep. F800 GS. Yep. That's, where I was That's gonna exactly go, the three I was, was going to say. I was going to go F800 GS, <laughs> yep. or, and this one might surprise mm-hmm. you guys, the 310 GS. Mm, not for the highway small. in the States. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even, the, even the KLR 650 on the highway. Mm. So you put a 16 tooth on it, it helps. But. Can we all agree that the Bergman 650 is a terrible idea? Yeah. Only if you Alaska? want to do yes. something stupid. Right. <clears throat> I mean, I like the stupid factor. Yes. I know, I like that too. <laughs> However, um, I very much, I hugely approve of the CB500X. And none other than Z Traveler mm-hmm. um, ran hers up to just ridiculously high mileage. And it was still running like an absolute champ. But it was crushed by the some s- idiot in the car. The CB500X with the kit, though. Yes. The adventure kit. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. However, there is an obvious choice that I feel is, is missing. Tenere 700. Mm. Depends on how tall mm, she is, because they're, they're pretty tall. For a new bike. <clears throat> yeah, 10, no, 10 700 is a very good bike, though. I mean, the reality is, I mean, all those bikes listed are ones that can carry all the panniers right, that you're going to exactly. want. Exactly. You, you, so we're going up to Alaska, you need to have panniers, you need to have something that's lockable, you need to have something that's do, do durable, think, because if and when you do fall over, you need it to be do able you, to Do you think hit. Alex G, Alex G is a boy or a girl? It doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. No. So I think um, I think a midsize. The Africa Twin is is it's a too it's, much. A, it's, it's a, a massive one. bike. Yeah, you, you don't want to pick that up if you go down to the ground. It's a great bike, but it's a big horse. So let's throw that off the list. The Bergman is an interesting choice, um, but I think it's it's. I mean, where on earth are you going to put all the gear? The big the big problem with scooters, even yeah. big scooters. They all suffer from the same problem that you can't load them up with gear. You can't put panniers on them. You, you, you know, I know the executive comes with a top case, but you're very limited. You're going to be better off with a motorcycle, with manual transmission, with big wheels. You need to have a roto pack right. with extra gas stuff. Yep. Um, I think we listed, I mean, the, the three. Did, I think the F800GS. Yeah. That's a really good option. The, I like the CB500X with the Now, you're seeing right. CB500X. I mean, you could also do it on a Versus oh, or a V-Strom that you've kitted out. The reason I said the KLR or the DR650 or the F800, they're already done. 
I yeah, it depends. I would take a done. KLR at twenty thousand miles over an F eight hundred with right. twenty thousand miles. Travel. The my only trepidation with a European bike. We are very, very lucky because everyone sitting in this room, we're in California, we're in a very populated area of California. Getting work done on a European bike and getting parts for a European bike generally isn't a problem. Riding one all over America, I think I'd take my chances with a Japanese bike. Especially especially a Honda. I'm going to throw in a whammy. Yes. Above all three bikes, I think I would choose the... The the Triumph, the Tiger, Tiger uh, an eight hundred, a Tiger eight hundred. Oh, they're amazing bikes. Yeah. But to try and find somebody in the middle of Canada. There you one. go. There yeah. you go. It's Again, true. here in California. Well, that's why the KLR and the DR you can fix it that's with a it. stick right. and a rock. Yeah, and anybody can fix it. Stick a rock and a small hammer. And there is carbureted. Yep. There it's is simple. a lot to be said for a simple motorcycle. Yeah. But I tell you what, that CB five hundred X is. What about the Royal Enfield? Is this too slow? No. On the yeah, way? same deal. Yeah, and they're, they're, you know, it's it's finding somebody who will actually work yeah. on it. It's that CB500X. They're bloody brilliant bikes, you know. There you go. I think that answers it. Uh, let us know what you end up going with. And we look forward to your visit when you come by the garage. Yeah, I guess we'll find and, out then. Come by and visit us, <laughs> Alex and, G. Yeah. And um, shoot me and ask Miss Emma thing. And um, yes. And Alex G, if you're coming through, when you come through California... Come to a track day with Feel Like a Pro. Ooh, that would be amazing. I will, uh, you know, write me at uh, Ryan at Feel Like a Pro, and we can, uh, as you make your plans, we can try and figure that out. That was the other question. How can people reach you if they want Perfect. to arrange something? Uh, so, uh, Feel Like a Pro, our website is, is feellikeapro.com. Uh, info at Feel Like a Pro if you have questions. We're also on Facebook at Feel Like a Pro, Instagram at Feel Like a Pro. I think we're on Twitter and Snapchat and everything else. I know my um, wife runs this. And don't media. forget on XTube, Felt Like a Pro. No, no, not no! That don't one. go no, there. No, 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 that's, no, no sorry. No, and I just, <laughs> I just wanted to add because you know, obviously, after Ryan left, I did a little bit of research. I feel like a pro, and it is so much more than just riding a bike round the track. They really have made this huge effort to give you the whole racer experience, from the pit experience to having the crew team. To basically, you feel like a professional racer. Yeah. It's a, it, it, it really is, I think, it's extraordinary value for money. I think it's a wonderful thing. If anybody is thinking of dipping their toe into racing or have raced in the past or even really fancy themselves as a fast street bike rider and want to polish up their skills, give it a try. I mean, 400 bucks. it sounds like a great deal. It's not. For what you get, it's amazing value for money. And it is a total package. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the plug. I appreciate it. There you oh, go. And thanks for coming and joining oh, us. Here, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I wish I was closer. I'd like to be a regular. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can make some trips down here. Yes, I there you try. are. Whenever I'm in the area, I'll let you know. Okay, good air. All right, so next week, if all goes well, we're going to have the uh, Pan America mm-hmm. to play with. And to try out. So hopefully we'll have a good review by then. How long do you think it'll be before I break it? 11 seconds. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Don't forget, go to RevSisters.com if you'd like to get tickets to the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. Still going on. The free weekend passes are done, but the $10 for the next two weeks is still a deal. Mm -hmm. So go there. 
And uh, don't forget to send us an email at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com and let us know what bike belongs on the list for... Most misunderstood motorcycle. We already have two. We have the Suzuki. I'm going to add one. RF900. The Bergman. <laughs> no, I don't think there's anything misunderstood about the Bergman. So we, all, we already have locked into position the Suzuki RF900 based on looks alone. And no, we have, you did. We still have to debate. <laughs> no, I think it's and the uh, Honda PC eight hundred. Yeah. No, 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 no. Based no, no, no. on strangeness alone, uh, I think this is going to be a, a list of bikes Emma loves that the world should love too. <laughs> I, well, it's funny because my choice was actually Alex G's drool bike. Uh, <laughs> yes, up, 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 bike. Well, I know. When we because, talked, uh, clearly he gets it though, and we don't get it. <laughs> yeah, because apparently, apparently Alex understands it. Um, I don't get the. Uh, I just don't get the K one. I just don't get it. On that note, I think we're ready to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and especially thanks to our Patreon subscribers. Yeah, we had the you. last Ask Miss Emma scooped up today. By Alex G. No, actually, somebody else who's going to be sending you. Actually, I'll give you the email to read. Uh, I would be happy to forfeit mine. Oh, you're so, good. I like your money. <laughs> no, I'll still give the money, but I'll forfeit no, the No, it's all right. It's all right. Because um, Emma's, she's got her garage. So if you do need help with your garage no, and send you're me- in town... Go to motor down to Moto Town. That's right. If your bikes are sputtering and stopping and you find yourself walking, go to Motor Town. Yeah, that's Motor Town. <laughs> KL5 Moto. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Time to get out of here. This is Liza. That'd be John. I'm Ryan. And Miss Emma Darling. And we are out of here. Cool, Yay. cool.